Hey everyone, what's up? It's Dave. Before we get started, I just wanted to say um, I wasn't sure this episode was going to be able to come out. I recorded it more than a year ago. Those guys all managed to get together here at my place, and I just didn't have the recording set up to handle five people talking. I didn't have that equipment. I used the same setup that I used for recording two people talking, and they were all having to lean in. And as you can see in the picture, how they're situated around the microphone, you know, it's hard to hear some of them. And sometimes they're talking over each other or at the same time. And people that are quieter get lost in that. And it's very hard to turn up their volume partway through a sentence. You know, I did what I could. I went through, I cleaned up the audio. I think it's listenable. <laughs> it's a good, long, fun conversation covering a lot of hardcore history, some stories we haven't gone over, some potential good news about the future. Although I don't know where that sits now a year out from the conversation, to be honest. And you'll know from listening to this episode what I'm talking about. So we're just going to get into it. And it is what it is. Uh, you know. Turn it up loud, and then I'm sorry for the times when the uproarious laughter blows out your eardrums, but then you'll at least be able to hear Damien talk quietly in the background. All right, let's get this thing going. Here we go. Well, the day has finally come. I got everyone in Undertow in the same room. They're all sitting here in front of me. They have one microphone because I'm poor and can't afford a lot of equipment. But here they are in the room right now. Say hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Every member of the band that is here has done an episode, at least one episode of the podcast. In some cases, multiple episodes of the podcast. So you can go back and listen to all of those, but today we're going to be able to have them all here. So we've got Ryan Murphy, Mark Holcomb, John Pettibone, Damian Johnston. That's us. Start talking. Hey. <laughs> Why are you all here in town? What's going on? Well, I live here. <laughs> so do I. Me too. That was a great usual suspects kind of answer. <laughs> I'm on vacation. <laughs> okay, so it's really just one sort of you of. comes to town and then you get together. But you all caused speculation for a reason for you to be together. Is there a reason for, that you guys are... Are you doing something? Maybe. We had lunch. <laughs> that I couldn't make it to. Yeah. Clevo sat in for Damien. Clevo Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hold on. What, what Two was, hours. What? Oh, wait, we haven't even gotten to that question yet. That, there's a question about that coming up. That's a, it'll make sense as it goes. Right on. Okay, no, John, you teased some stuff. On the, I'm editing your episode right now. It hasn't gone up live, mm -hmm. but um, you were teasing some kind of... We're going to get together and jam. Yeah, and that's sure. legit? Sure, legit. And you're all cool with people knowing that? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Are you going to be called Undertow? No. No. But you guys are going to do a band? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Solidly, everyone. Okay, I just want the, just so it's definitive, so people can know what to expect. I, I bought a base. There you go. Oh, you've no, bought it. You, Damien, has, you have bought equipment for this endeavor. I did. All right. <laughs> Two dollar uh, base. I would say you heard it here first, but I'm sure <laughs> you credit. didn't hear it here first. <laughs> what was it? Two hundred dollar base on credit. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I I did that once. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay, so. uh Yes, it's uh, it's it's odd since I, it feels like you guys are all going to be competing for that mic. But uh, what's going on? Tell me what's going on in your lives, guys. 
<laughs> Ryan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I still live in fucking St. Louis. Um, you know, uh, I'm recently going through a divorce, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, you know, life's uh, looking looking better. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, a big transition in your life. Um, I switched careers last fall. Uh, you know, I'm like, now I'm single, <laughs> you know. Um, and I have more time on my hands. So, you know, I find myself training jujitsu a lot more, um, running more, um, and missing music more. Oh. So, are you uh, moving out here? No, I, not anytime soon. But you're you're going to travel back and forth. We can get into my 12 year plan later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 12-year plan. Um, Sweet. So it's complicated because I have a kid. I can't just up and leave. Right. Um, I mean, I guess I could, but that would be really shitty. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was like, we all we all keep in touch. And we, you know, we group text. Like, we're still really good friends. And I was talking to Mark about this, you know, last night. And, and you know, we we're just like talking. It's like, you know... This is my, I'm just going to talk. You guys can totally disagree. But, you know, so everyone, you know, every band basically is getting back together. And for, you know, whatever reason, whatever their motivation is, it doesn't matter. But, you know, and and whatever people's opinion might be, you know, whether it's shitty, it's lame, it's awesome. I don't, it doesn't matter. But with us, it's like, you know, we've done the undertow reunion things. And I think the last time we played, I like, I, speaking for myself, it's like, yeah, I, that wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be, right? And so it's like, you can't recreate what you had. Like, no one can. I mean, there are plenty of bands out there still doing it that were doing it in the 80s, you know, hardcore bands. And, yeah, you know, they're not recreating what they had then. You know, I'm sorry. They're not. Um, and I won't name names, but, you know, whatever. But... What we can't deny is we're still really good friends and we love each other. And, you know, we, we still love playing music. Um, we love music and, you know, and the idea of like just doing something new, but with us and our friendship again, you know, it might sound just like Undertow. Who knows? What, what I the, don't know. What but... the listening audience can't see are the nodding heads <laughs> while, you're, while you're speaking, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good radio. So, so anyways, it's, it's, it's not about trying to recreate undertow. It's really about like just remaining friends, having fun and seeing what happens. Like really, that's, that's how I, that's how I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. No pressure. Just yeah. See what happens. Fucking get in the room and and play again. See what, you know, see what comes of it. I'm very excited about this. And I'm sure a lot of other people are going to be also. Do you, do you have any, I mean, you're not doing this for a specific upcoming show. You'll just play no. when you're ready. Maybe. Uh, we might not even play. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get, we're going to get in the room. Uh, oh, you're going to Fugazi it. You're going to tell people, oh, you know, Fugazi still gets together and plays. We just do it for ourselves. We won't play live anymore. Is that what they do? Yeah, I got reported a while back that, <laughs> that Fugazi, those dudes just get together because they just like each other and they just play. That's but they, awesome. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. But then every Fugazi fan in the world is probably like, well, uh, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for them. That's right. Right? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, gentlemen. Yes. Give me a minute. Uh-oh. And we're back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> I, uh, I stupidly left a cup of water by my feet, kicked it over, and apparently John thinks I had too much ice in the cup. <laughs> what ice in that cup? But Damien made it obvious that the, the ice had fallen out in the shape of the cup. Oh, yeah, it all like, stuck together. Sure. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Oh, I, I was hoping I was, I was hoping I was gonna get a uh, a picture of you guys laughing. So, <laughs> um, well, no, Murph, you guys were just explaining uh, what was going on with you guys playing together. Is there more you want to say about that? Nah, if there was, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to, to kill the momentum, but that'll just leave that out there as a tease for people. They know it's coming. Since I have you all here, okay. So I did a thing yesterday where I went online and and asked people what questions they would ask if they were doing a podcast with the four of you at the same time. But we'll get into that in a little bit. What I want to ask the four of you is, having listened to each other's episode of this podcast, is there anything anyone wants to correct anybody on or point or like, did anyone listen to something and remember something that didn't get brought up? The real end to a story, anything like that? That you could all that we probably mine because that we it. can reveal in the podcast because <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's some stuff you don't want to. Sure, there was little things where I was like, actually, that was 1007 or something, you know. Yeah, just, there might have been little things like that, but at this point, I can't remember. I didn't know Murph liked the cure. I was like, there's no way, there's no way <laughs> Murph true. likes the cure. And then you're like, I, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm like, Damn it. I, that was, like a, a, that was a, a little bit of a shocking moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. I fucking love him. <laughs> and I like your guys' conversation. Like, it was the babysitter, you know? <laughs> fucking cool, man. So there are little things like that where I was like. That's exactly oh. what I'm talking about. And I think you asked me how me and Murph met. And I didn't remember. And you were right about the, when Murph said the Jane's Addiction t-shirt. The walk. Oh. Walking on the street, yeah, right? Like, oh, yeah. And me and Murph worked together at Angelica Kitchen. <laughs> you forgot? Yeah, we were hanging out last night. Well, a couple days in a row. And he Wait, was, where did you work together? At this restaurant in um, in New York City with like uh, the bass player of Texas Reason. Like a lot of people came out of there. Actors, uh, a good group of people. Vegan restaurant. They always hired the punk rock kids, the dancers, the actors. People that needed to dip out for three weeks because they got a project. And Murph was just like, yeah, remember when we worked there together? And I was like, huh? <laughs> he's like, dude, I worked there for like three, four months with you. I was like, no, you didn't. You know? and, then, and then in my wheelhouse, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, and he was naming names like the, the head chef and, and our, our, the other guy, Dexter. And I was like, well, clearly he worked there. <laughs> like, he wouldn't remember Dexter's name if he didn't work there. So memories are, are shitty. Yeah. No, it's weird. Yeah. And I, I definitely, when, I, when I'm editing, I get a chance to hear. And I... Most of every podcast that gets recorded goes up, but there's a lot of like hemming and hawing that gets cut out in between while people are trying to remember stuff just because I don't think everyone wants to listen to that. But I'm surprised at the things sometimes that I have to put on the, the web pages. Every episode has its own web, its own page on the, on the website. And it's a lot of times there's corrections on there or I've put them at the end of the episode in the talk yeah. that I do at the end where I'm ashamed of myself for not remembering details while, <laughs> <laughs> while it's going down. Um, did you ever get a definitive answer on that cult song, Mark? No, and I, I was just thinking about that right now. Like again, we should have listened to the song before. It you think before it, well, I mean, it's it's been I covered it's pretty go. well. I move it go, move it go. But I still, I sent a boogado to JC from Sparkmarker yesterday or Father's Day. Yeah, <laughs> send a boogado. Yeah, I was like, hey man, happy you get Father's a, Day, boogado, and you get a yeah, response, I fucking hearts, and boogado back to you, brother. <laughs> There, there, there's a point way. where you don't want to find out the truth. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just better that way at this point. I mean, it still cracks me. Anytime I listen to that song, I'm like, 
I'm still waiting. Like I'm waiting. You know, I'm so excited for that. Whatever he says to come up, I'm like, oh, this always cracks me up. Well, I, you know, I went and watched the video because of that, and I wait for that part in the video to see if he, you know, I think he's just doing something with the mic in front of his face and yeah. jumping or something at that yeah. point. So, so, so that's it. With I, I don't know. I was oh, kind of hoping. I, I don't remember. I was right? ho- I was I was really hoping that somebody would be like you know the band historian that would go in there and be like, here's what you fucked up. Here's what you fucked up. True. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if I, if I just listened to him, I might come up with something. I, yeah, John's. I, I haven't heard the second half of John's. That hasn't gone up yet, right? No, no, it, because it's um, three hours and forty-five <laughs> minutes long. I'll listen. And half of it's um, shit. I don't remember. I that. think even after <laughs> it's I think Dave telling me the story, I'm I like, th- oh, that happened. It's probably true, and it'll it'll have been up for probably a month before <clears> this <throat> thing comes out. But um, it'll get edited down to about three fifteen. Probably. I think there were a couple points where we talked so for a while. <laughs> Just like that movie we did. It's so long. <laughs> oh. You could almost watch that movie twice. <laughs> Just like Oh. Do you guys talk about that in here? The movie? Yeah. Oh, I don't know uh, if we talked. We touch base. You know, okay. I've still never Maybe seen that, that movie. Oh, dude, you're <laughs> are you I've never seen it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't watch it i mean i'm not trying to like offend i just never had a chance to see it in no way am i offended but like you kind of have this like you're in this place where you can just imagine what it is never have to know yeah that's right in my mind it's like it's fantastic oh well thank you <laughs> see i like i know all these people that were in this movie that's so cool it's great it was a great movie it's i feel like it's kind of my job to just like hold the line on people's opinion on it so if i can keep someone from watching it now i think i keep the opinion <laughs> higher <laughs> <laughs> what what do you got to say about it, Mark? Oh, nothing, man. I don't know. <laughs> nothing. Um, Love, it. Love it. No, there was it's there in my were queue right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it on Amazon? <laughs> uh, it you used to be able to get it through Netflix when they sent CD uh, DVDs. Oh yeah. And I don't know. Do they really? still do that? Yeah. Oh, there sure. was the, and there was reviews. Whoa. And the funny oh. thing was, people would get it and not know what they were getting. And there'd be like a horrible review. <laughs> and then there'd be a beautiful review that was talking. And it's like almost every beautiful review, you'd read it and you'd be like, well, I know who wrote that review. I know. It was like, it was always like friends that were like sticking up for you on there. I'm like, oh, awesome. awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, there's one, I, I mentioned this before. There's somebody who was in the movie who has like trash talked the movie in like every available forum online where you can leave a review of it. Oh, yeah. And it's like one of the people who was there, like in the Rumble scene, like someone I didn't know very well who kind of just came along, one of the punk rockers. And like their review always talks about, they always come from Germany or like wherever, you know. And it always says, like, the worst part about it is I'm in this piece of shit. (laughs) 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 I think I like it better that that those bad reviews are out there. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, So, so one of the Netflix ones definitely is that. Um, So, yeah, Edge of Coral. We should uh, we should probably get some of these questions going because they might inspire some conversations. And actually, that's cool. You did that. That's a cool idea. Well, I kind of <laughs> was it out of laziness. I figured or? between well, 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 no, I've done this with Matsuokas before <laughs> when I want to like you know try to get some other people kind of involved in it. But it it was just that I figured that since I've done full episodes with you guys, I mean. If we told the story of the tour, start to finish, you know, we would probably wouldn't come up with one new story. I got one. But this is what I'm looking for. You've got one that's not in any of the episodes? Yeah, well, I don't think so. I don't know what you and Jonas did, but uh, all of us in oh, Bremerton. We touched base. 
Oh, oh. But that's not a tour. That's not in the tour. No, but I mean, there's stuff. We were all there, though. We were all there, and it was... We We didn't really talk about (laughs) What is this? The van and the the Nazi skinheads. And the knives. And the the bottles. In Bremerton. uh, Let's... How would you... How would the four of you like to tell this story? And and tell it and and project when you do it. Go play a show at a VFW hall in Bremerton. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't really shows going on over there at the time. And, uh... I just remember we were running late. Yeah. yeah, like we caught the ferry late. The ferry late. We were run- super late to the show, and I, I, for whatever reason, I, I just remember it was like you know it was one of those shitty like two lane like fucking roads like in the middle of nowhere, and you know you had to park on like the shoulder, and we were coming up and we saw all these a line of cars on the shoulder of the road, and like a little bit of like maybe some chaos happening. Like at the VFW hall, and I, I, I want to say it was Skippy or somebody mm. that came running up and was just like, "Yo, there's fucking Nazis!" And like we parked, and I just remember like, I think I just like sat on top of the van watching, like, "This is cool," you know? Like I don't, I, I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I do remember <laughs> the fight was already happening as you drove up. up. Well, yeah. we, no. when we rolled up, there was you could there was tension, and you mm. could tell. Well, right, right away. Get out of the but van there was a band. There was yeah. a band playing. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I was say right as we like pull up and open the door and get out of the van, like a dude walks by us. So is like, let's kill Undertow. Yeah, there, there was like four six foot ten guys that were like, we're gonna kick some straight edge ass tonight. Oh, and, and then, and they then walked right by us. And then oh, so came. they didn't know it was you? I don't think so. No, I think they knew it was us because I remember being like, oh man, like what do we do? Like these guys are fucking giant. You know, I'm gonna get fucking creamed. You know, and from my recollection, we're like, yeah, I guess let's get the gear out. And then all of a sudden a kid goes running by and a skinhead is chasing him. And it was, I think he stole beer from the skinheads is what my (laughs) recollection was. And do you remember this? Like they circled off into like a fight thing. Hmm. And I think you two got out of the van. One of you did. And Michelle was with us as well. When you say you two, you were just Uh, pointing at Murph and John. Murph and John. So they start fighting and one of you guys comes back. The group's fighting. Yeah, the skinhead and the guy who stole the beer. But it, obviously tensions were something was going to fucking happen. Uh, and I think the guy that stole the beer, or maybe one of his buddies, not a skinhead, pulled out like a fucking like a 10-inch blade. Sword or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so somebody comes around. I'm in the van because I'm like, oh boy, I can't. I mean, <laughs> there's, I can't deal with this. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Looking for a fucking tire iron and shit. And you're a screwdriver, right? Right. And, uh, and so then the mob goes into the club. And I think that's where definitely John or Murph went over and was looking through the window. And one of you guys reported back to us. Because I think at this point, I had Michelle with me. Me and Damien are in the van. I'm like, lock the fucking doors. <laughs> you know? And um, what got reported back to me was like the fight moved all the way through the VFW hall. And you could watch it through the window. But that some some girl, some guy was beating up somebody. And the girl came over and hit him across the face with a beer bottle. And then... then another girl picked up a chair and like smashed her with the fucking chair from what i understood it was chaos and then all of a sudden you see the fight come out of the other side of the vfw hall it moved (laughs) oh you saw it go from one door and out another yeah yeah (laughs) from left left to right and there's a bit the band doesn't stop playing whatever band was playing in the the vfw hall was just kept playing Awesome. Through the so, entire fight. What yeah. year was this? This sounds like it a good scene for the US sequel to Edge of Quarrel. Yeah. Let's see. So Michelle. Yeah, I want to say it was probably before 
the first Star US Harper. tour in like 93, yeah. Yeah. 92. Spring in 93. Yeah. So then. So I was probably working, couldn't make it out to where you guys were. Because yeah. I remember hearing yeah, about the us, show and not being able to go. Four and Michelle were the yeah. ones in the van. And then, and then uh, so the fight goes out the back and it's still kind of going on. The, whoever promoted the show to us comes running up and is like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like, should we cancel the show? Do you guys still want to play? And we're like, call the fucking cops right now. This show's over and people are getting stabbed. Well, he, was, he was asking for help, too. Oh. Like, we were there to save the day. For some like, oh, he, was, he was like, oh, thank God. The straight edges do, are here. But can you guys help? Can you guys, like, like stop I'm, the situation? I'm five, four. Like, I can't stop anything. Like, like what's he thinking? But I also remember this, that, uh, we, like, it had dissipated or something. It was like, the decision was like, show's over. Let's get the fuck out of here. And we turn over the van and it goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Do you guys remember this? Yep. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, we're like, fuck, man, we need jumper cables now to get out of here. So, so fucked. That was one of the stories that, like, I, you know, it wasn't a tour, but it was like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that got told in any of the episodes. Maybe, really maybe touched it. on. Well, you don't remember? So I remember you we, talking, telling me about it. I know it, it happened. Yeah. And we I got know the I van there, started. I don't remember it. We got the van started, and then we're getting the hell out of there. The van needed gas. We go to the gas station, and the Nazis are at the gas station <laughs> buying more beer. And that's when me and Ryan were outside with the hammers, like, <laughs> if they see, but they didn't even, like, really see us. They were just there to buy their beer again, and then, but we were like, the moment they see who, or recognize us not and it's just us and them it's none of these other kids around but can i can i say that i'm glad it didn't happen to you but hammer fight at the gas station (laughs) would be a great story i i think they actually beat up some people that night later on in the evening just random people and they went to jail yeah oh yeah they're probably doing something similar now yeah time doing time cops now and that's the the typical bremerton show like going over to Natasha's shows or whatever, or going over to play uh, minus Lenny's basements right. shows. Uh, there was always <laughs> and people a brawl. said it was and because it was of Ajax, the like destroying all of them. Oh, I love Ajax. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking like, I, I guess we've got to play, but there's going to be violence. Like we we are the band that gets up on stage and says, "Fuck you, we don't agree with you," right? Yeah, yeah. So you're you're going to get up and write shit on your arm. You know, like, God, I'm, I'm so small. These guys are fucking giants. We're going to, we could get stabbed. I mean, it was in my head, that was a real legitimate, they want to fuck us up specifically, but we need to ban, we need to be the band that stands up for the other kids that are in that fucking room because we're the straight edge band or we're saying, you know, fuck racism. I, we can't turn around and go home because we're scared of something. But I mean, those guys were fucking, that, oof, I'm glad. <laughs> I don't, man. I mean, can you imagine if like we were on stage and all of a sudden, yeah. somebody just—I mean, those dudes had knives. Yeah, that would have been bad, dude. That would have been real fucking bad. Yeah. We get up there and we're like, we're motherfucking undertow, and fuck you guys. Oh Jesus! <laughs> and meanwhile, you you had, you had heard them outside while they were hanging out near your van saying, "We're gonna kill undertow." Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we're gonna kick some fucking straight edge ass tonight, and maybe you know doing, <laughs> doing punching their fists in their hand. You know, it was like because I I think you guys were definitely out of the van at one point because I remember, I, yeah, I just remember like I was like lock the fucking doors when those guys come back we unlock them, but like I just sitting there on the bench seat going oh dude like I, we can't play, <laughs> yeah, like, please let the show not happen we gotta get out of here I was yeah. fucking scared as fuck man well that you was know not good the question that I asked online uh someone did. They just just put Nazis with a question mark. Skiffington 
asked a bunch of questions and that was his last one. So that covers that covers that one at least. Um, but there was another. That's what I was gonna. This is what I'm gonna ask. Were there any other stories about Nazis? Outspoken in undertow in Arizona. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember we got escorted out by the police out of the out of Phoenix. I don't this remember this before, before, before me. It was before oh, Damien. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you you had to leave Phoenix with a police escort? Yeah. Like they were kicking you for out our of safety. Because this wouldn't be the first time no, police kicked for... you out of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one was legit for like undertow and outspoken safety. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. They were actually there was like public we, servants yeah, working we did for like you. A little West Coast thing with outspoken, yeah. and um, we played Phoenix, and there was Nazis there, like like three, but they're always like giants, right? So it's like <laughs> might as well be fucking twelve. And uh, um, yeah, whatever. We like we talked shit. We're like fuck you guys, you know. <laughs> Nazis suck, you know. Um, and you know they were like, well, we're gonna kill you and all this shit, like whatever. And I don't think anything. At- Ron was with us. Yeah. And I think that was Bauer. like that Bauer. was a time when like you know Ron and we, Bauer were two imposing figures in we're that. In the, we're in that. We're they in would the fight. Van Bauer would fight. We Ooh. open the van door and like a baseball bat falls out and like <laughs> and, like the Nazis like, are like, oh, you guys want to fight? And, like <laughs> shit, it was almost totally taken care of and now it's starting again. You know, I feel like uh, I, it might well whatever my memory shit, but I feel like we all got back upstairs and it was like. If again, who like who walks through the door is gonna get creamed, and I feel like Ron and Bauer, Ron had the baseball bat, yeah, and then I think it was the cops. The I think the promoter called the cops because he knew some shit was going down, so it was the cops that came in the door. But like, oh. Ron and Bauer and probably the outspoken guys too, because they were like grown men. Were like whoever <laughs> fucking walks through the door, Coyle was, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> whoever walks through this door, if they have a shaved head and they're wearing braces and boots. We're fucking, you know, throwing them off the third floor of the fucking... Because there's like a fire escape, <laughs> yeah. I think, walking up. It's something like so that. Did, I, did, did, I remember I had like a cymbal stand, you know, like as like a baseball bat, Ooh. ready to go, you yeah. know? And kill a deer with that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that shit? Uh, kill a deer with that. Shit. That's an actual story <laughs> that tour, also. Yeah. But that tour, was that the tour of like... That was in fights like, like almost every night? Yeah, well... Because uh, that was the same tour that Ron it and... Was, they, what run, the f- they oh, try to jump. Right. Vegan Reich. Yeah, Vegan yeah. Reich. Vegan Reich. We got jump your hat, up. your head's next. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Fuck yeah. Explain that story. So if you Spanky's Cafe. Spanky's Cafe. Uh, Undertow. Like, that was a crazy show. I think that was like, was that the first show we played with Unbroken? And we yeah, were yeah. like, holy Unbroken shit. Unbroken's first show. Yeah, we were like, wow, they're fucking awesome, right? Yeah. And like chorus played, and like that statue was a statue. Played. Yeah, that was a show. Yep. I'm like backstage sitting on my my drum kit, and I'm like wearing the the long sleeve Morbid Angel shirt, yep. right? <laughs> and the drummer for chorus is just this like fucking fat asshole. <laughs> I don't know who he was, but he's like drinking a beer, and he's like, "Oh, that's funny. You're a straight edge kid wearing a Morbid Angel shirt." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's funny. Like you're a fat straight edge dude drinking a beer." <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was like, "Oh, you got me, good one, you know." And and I'm like, "We're like, what the fuck?" And so like us and Unbroken were like talking trash like dude what's up with chorus this is before we knew the chorus guys and they could actually like crush the shit out of us <laughs> you know? like, legit boxers yeah <laughs> and like street regis like fucking yeah. throwing us back to seattle and one but uh, you know, like, but the, their drummer, like, he was just like some random dude, I think. Yeah, I think you it was know? A, a friend. Yeah, one of their friends that helped them or saved them. Yeah, so I think there was like a little beef between <laughs> undertone and chorus because of that for a little yeah. while. Like, yeah. It was fine. I think actually, I think Sabatini helped squash that. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh, he did something useful. 
Yes, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna sneak that fucking name into my podcast. <laughs> He's gonna edit it. But uh, <laughs> no, I think it's. I don't know how to edit that out. I gotta tell <laughs> that. That story's got to be in there. Yeah. So. so, but anyways, like one or two dudes from Vegan Reich were at the show, and, and that's when Ron was doing the uh, Overkill with the. Yeah, Ron had a whole anti-Hardline campaign with Overkill Records, which was very inspiring at the time because Hardline came out with this. At the time, it was, you know, super vegan, but they had, for some reason, um, I guess we don't see anything like this in politics anymore. Um, (laughs) uh, They decided that it was unnatural to be gay, and that was part of their, that was part of their bullshit philosophy, so they just instantly started a you know and they're super pro-life and right oh and pro yeah exactly like yeah i mean they're basically right-wing fascists yeah so you know, right like, before all right yeah pretty much unapologetic to this day i think for a lot of them Some yeah of, I, it's interesting that section of the straight edge book we were just talking about the straight edge book is interesting to me because mm-hmm. it was like an entire chapter written by people that i considered you know as enemies the enemy. and i'm reading it and like hearing how a lot of them reflected how they got into it i'm i can look back at it now go oh okay I see. I see. I mean, I think you were wrong, but like, yeah. I, I guess I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So we're playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were playing, and then like shit just went down with like Bauer and Ron and the Vegan Reich. Dudes. Right, because they were saying they weren't they writing him and saying they were gonna kill him yeah. if yep. you if you come to California we're gonna kill you and yeah. I believe Ron sent them back a letter that said I'm coming down with Undertow here's the dates yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and like yeah. the whole time we're there I think, I think Ron and Bauer were just kind of like yo where Wait. are these dudes at you know like we're yeah. fucking here <laughs> yeah they try to jump Ron it did happen right? uh well. Yeah, they tried to jump him. They tried. Like, I think it, was like, it was like a sucker punch yeah. scenario. Yeah. And then and the guy, Bauer think... just jumped in. And... <laughs> now, the way I was told this story was that Bauer jumped up from behind Ron and pivoted on Ron's shoulder yeah. and came <laughs> down. So, so if you imagine Bauer basically getting his waist at Ron's shoulder, so they're working as a team now. And, and, and so like Bauer comes over like a, like a heavy... <laughs> Butter Town, <laughs> Master Master Run Butter Town. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh God, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like like swung on his shoulder, like not swung, like like a teeter totter, and came down with the fist and and hit the guy, whoever yeah. it was, was in Ron's face. And I've only been told this story, but John, you're shaking your head and saying yes, that happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. You saw it. Yeah, we were on stage playing right when it happened. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and we stopped because. It's them. And they, then you see dudes run out of the club and Ron and Brian chasing them. Yeah. We and jump off stage and are following suit. And the Chula Lynch mob and, was there. Yeah. Too, and yeah. they were we like, were, like, became, we were buddies. The Chula them. Lynch mob. Yeah. yeah. And so they were like, totally, like, we had a whole crew, right? Yeah. I was like, dude, we got a Mexican gang. What were we? Seattle Syndicate. Seattle Syndicate. Wait, they were the Chula Lynch Mob and you were the Seattle Syndicate? You had a way better name. (laughs) I don't think their name maybe has aged well. (laughs) But yeah, so the the one dude from Vegan Reich had like some Rasta cap on his head. Oh yeah. And and Ron ended up with it. it. Yeah, and like so we're like coming back, we're taking photos everywhere. Sean from Vegan Right. I think. I don't know who it was, but anyways. The Rasta cat was in Ron's possession after the (laughs) debacle. (laughs) And we were taking photos, and then like the next issue of whatever zine came out was like, we got your hat, your head's next. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot 
forgot about all that, so man. Great. That's excellent. <laughs> so well, I think it's great that you went right from Nazi stories to vegan Reich stories. I think that, <laughs> that works for me. A hardline thing didn't age well. Fuck. <laughs> so was that so then supposedly the thing in Colorado Springs, not Colorado Springs, Pueblo was Nazis. Oh yeah. bomb. With yeah. the bomb. Yeah. Firecracker. Fucking Nazis. I've heard a lot of firecrackers. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it was no, the biggest no. firecracker. I can't remember. It was you're gonna say bomb, right, Mark? Well, Okay, so uh, my sister and uh, Mike Watt that she was dating at the time, we went to uh, get fireworks, and he got a half stick of dynamite. Okay. Um, and we blew that up in a fucking field, and it knocked me down. I mean, we were far enough back, but you feel a fucking shockwave hit yeah. me in the chest, hit them kind of in their heads. Uh, I was just talking to my sister about this recently as well, and it, it felt like that big. Like, I've been around M80s, man. So that felt like you say that's what... Oh, shit. What the fuck was that? You say that's what Pueblo felt like. Yeah. Because I remember it moving the van. Yeah, I I was in the van. Yeah. Yeah. We were... It was big. Yeah. I like that... It was not legal. You think... (laughs) No, it was homemade. I assume. I assume. But it was around the 4th of July, so if I was able to get a half stick of dynamite... Well, Well, that's true. And John, I mean, maybe... I got it. You're lucky that it wasn't homemade, because they might have put nails in it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's where we go. We also yeah. got a we got a fucking tennis ball with just a wick in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was have, all dynamite, and, and they would sell volleyballs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, the scariest thing about that half stick of dynamite going off, dude, is it fucking shot in the air like fucking three hundred yards over our head and ended up in a forest, and we're like, yeah. we got to get out of here. Yo, <laughs> but if that had gone straight at us, it would have gone like. Who was there? I know you us. were there because you were you were almost in tears, dude. Remember when we, we t- integrity came through, and we went to like swimming in some place out by North Bend and toll, I had toll I bridge. had a, like a bag full of M250s and I sat up there with Blue like, Hole or Toll Bridge? Toll. Oh. It was like the canyon. And like Oh no, that's Blue Hole. And yeah. you were swimming down, you were swimming down below yeah. and I was up there with like like one of the Melnicks and I'm like, yo, check yeah. this out. And I pull out these M250s and we start lighting them and throwing them down. Like just downstream <laughs> from you yeah. and, and you came running up, you motherfucker so fucking pissed. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're having flashbacks because this was after yeah. Pueblo, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it was so fucking Was that loud. when they played out at Big John's? Yeah. I think it was 94. I want to say it was 94. That It might have been 95. They played Ground Zero? They ground Zero. So they played much, Ground Zero. So much happens prices? in that, in that like, a two-year period. Uh, sometimes Summer it's 94? hard. Between 94 oh. and 95. It's like, oh, yeah. there's so much packed in there. It was a good time. Well, did they not actually play in the basement of John? They played at Big John's. They played Big John's basement, too. Did they? But that was the same, I think it was the same weekend. Yeah, and Donuts. Donuts, because we would take, anybody who showed up during the summertime, we'd take them out to Tolt, or we'd take them to swimming pools and shit, so. Yeah. All right. Of course, you know, a couple people chimed in with things like just beer with a question mark, and then JK. So yeah, I'm drinking one right now, man. John, <laughs> uh, that's actually so one yes, yeah, me. <laughs> one actual yes to that question. So that's I didn't even expect that to be a legit question. Uh, John or uh, Big John? Well, I'm not supposed to call him Big John. John Orton says, uh, "One more time, please." One more time, what? Well, I think I'm assuming that means we that did you play one more time, like three times, right? But you guys are gonna, you guys <laughs> are gonna, you guys are gonna do probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? Are you sure he wasn't there? Who knows. <laughs> oh Jesus! That's it. We were, yeah. But then someone wants uh, copies of uh, test presses to finish their collection. I so, sold all mine. Sold all yours. Yeah, if anybody's looking to make want. some money, though, I've got a connection here. What's uh, how much money do they want, man? I got some trips coming. Have the reels. 
Oh, Somebody well, named Mitch. Yeah, I don't yeah. know Mitch. I never Mitch, met him. Mitch, that's who's asking the question. Yeah, he's got. I, saw, I sold him everything. No, <laughs> he needs the statement. Uh, he needs the statement EP and struggle statement. split test press. Uh, the the stalemate. I think he probably means stalemate. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Fuck I that guy. No nope. statement. Hey. Well, unless he means statement the band and thinks like for some reason band. one of you might have it. Uh, well, I don't have any. I don't have a test press. A test press. Yeah. Good friends with Greg. He sent me digital recordings. All right. Well, he's. I think he says. Huh? He says statement EP. Mitch, did you mean stalemate? Come on, stalemate. Mitch. And uh, the, the the split was struggle test press because that'd be then he apparently then he'd have a complete collection of Undertow. Well, I got a mouth to feed here, man. So send send me some money. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're talking about child or or your mouth? My mouth. Okay. <laughs> Murph's got two mouths to feed. John's got three mouths to feed. You know. There's a question here about this. It is. Uh, how has well. One, you just said, so you don't have children, but everyone else right. in the room has children, yep. other than me. I mean, everyone else in the band. Um, how has hardcore influenced how you raise your kids? Or has it? I don't know if it has. Uh, I, maybe. I, I make my kid listen to hardcore sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you make them listen to hardcore? Yeah. Um, I think it's just the influence of how we, how we became into our lives now i, yeah. I guess, I guess just, for me we're kind of all the, we're still the same people yeah um i think for our me, ethics are still the same pretty much politics are still the same yeah i think it just reflects on two our kids yeah i think you know? for me like um like all right so i'm a much different parent in many ways than my parents were for me right and but my parents were I mean, not to sound horrible, but I mean, they just kind of didn't care what I did, right? I didn't do what I, I didn't live at home all through high school. I basically, lived with Dan Junkers, <laughs> I did what I wanted, right? And they were just like, yeah, as long as you don't get thrown in jail and you graduate, we don't really care. And I was like, sweet, good deal. <laughs> I'm not like that at all. Like, I'm like, I can't even fucking believe they did that. Who does that? <laughs> but uh, but I recognize like the the freedom I had. You know, I was just fortunate to get into hardcore. And play music and it was just like this creative thing right and it was productive and we got to travel and so you know not that like my kids like like i'm going to be in a band and go on tour like she's only six but um but you know i do recognize you know kind of like whatever and i this is not just hardcore I mean, this is probably anybody that has kids but that's how i'd translate it like hardcore was a way for me to to do something and do some form of art or expression, express some feelings, whatever, right? Instead of getting in fights. Um, and, you know, now as a parent, like, just recognizing when my kid doesn't want to fucking go to jujitsu class, maybe I shouldn't force her, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you should color, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like, maybe that's what you're into and that's okay. And I just, you know, so I'd have to recognize, you know, and just be like, and foster that. Yeah, nurture. Yeah. And for all of you, they're they're pretty young, except Damien. How old are how old's yours? Well, my, my daughter's eight, and my stepdaughter is uh, almost 18. Okay. So. Okay. So I'm thinking, eight-year-old's still pretty young. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this question kind of will make more sense as your kids get into discovering culture for themselves. Well, mm-hmm. I, I'd say with my 17-year-old, I mean, she's, I, I guess, I mean, it certainly did influence my parenting in the way that it it gave me like a group of people to sort of grow up around that are all pretty decent people. Um, I probably got more of my moral compass from my friends than I did my parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents, they, it's kind of similar. They didn't, 
they were never around. They didn't really give a shit. Like, as long as I didn't get in any trouble, they were fine. So I spent every weekend going to party hall shows and doing all that stuff. So my formative years were spent around my peers. Um, so with my 17-year-old, like, it's weird. Now, she just graduated two days ago at the same, like, in Seattle Center where I graduated, where you guys came and saw my graduation. But it's like, <laughs> like, I graduated, and we, like, basically hopped in a van the next yeah. day and were just gone for, like, weeks. And I, looking at her, I was like, I cannot fucking imagine her doing that. Right. Like, it's, like, it's I, crazy. Like, <laughs> I, I know. Like, I, was, I was talking to somebody at work, and, you know, I'm like, God, you know, like, I did my first, like, West Coast tour with a band. I, I didn't have a driver's license. It was, like, over spring break, like. I drove. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me with like, yeah. And with Ron, who was, like, this grown man. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm like, I. But not really. Ron was only two years older than me. That's he seemed a lot older. Really? He, seemed, he just seemed like, yeah. I think he's eight, seven older than me and Murph. He's like two years older than me. Right? So you're, well, yeah, so he's three years older Two or three. Than, anyway, oh, yeah. sorry. Dinner. Yeah. Way older than. He felt, it yeah. felt Quite like a bit. that. Ron my, felt like that. At the, t- at the time, out. that age difference was huge. Yeah. My mom was freaked out. Like, you're going, this, there's this dude that's like 24 and you're 14 or whatever, you know, 16, <laughs> I guess. She's like, you're going with a 24-year-old man? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then, but I had Greg and, you know, it's like, mom, right. you know. Jesus. Yeah, but and I think about that, and I'm like, yeah. oh, dude, I would yeah. never let my fucking kid do that yeah. shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. So, I don't know. So realistically, well, since it started with you, Damien, mm-hmm. she's graduating from high school. Yeah. She said, I'm going to get in a van and go on tour. I mean, could you even say no? I mean, I'd, I'd let her if that's what she wanted to do, but I'd be concerned. I mean, the shit we did and saw was fucking crazy. I mean, it's a different world now. Like, yeah, it's totally There's an expectation too. of contact with your children all the time. There is an expectation of that. Do you think the world is more dangerous or safer? Dangerous. It's hard you think to it's say. more dangerous yeah. than I in the so. 90s when we went out? Because the crime so. rates don't, don't reflect that. Yeah. It's different, though. It's different, yeah. So, I mean, we also didn't have fucking crazy social media, like, on our fucking cell phones, like, 24-7. Yeah. Where you have no fucking idea who you're talking to on the other side. You know what I mean? Like, it, we didn't have that. Right. We had to go get fucking dialers. No, we, like, we, we had... <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. We literally had God knows who putting those those classifieds in maximum rock and roll or whatever. Like, so someone told me you that... You know what? This is the thing, too, is like, uh, looking back on getting in, getting in a van with these guys and you or Ron, we had built a trust... That we had each other's back, you know, um, and I think in today's world and society, there's, there's not, there's no trust. I feel because people don't really um, have a background of, of a solid friendship or uh, community in that aspect do you, of things. Do you do you think there aren't 15, 16, 17 year old kids in bands right now? Oh, together? there is. I, I work at the clubs. Right. So that, I see them, that are that are. And that's what that. I reflect on. I see how they work as a unit Mm -hmm. and it's just it's more of the aspect of being in a band and being on social media and having some type of fame large or small you know and the cutting out all that we just relied on ourselves you know so Hmm. um it's interesting yeah i i I don't know i'm i'm not going to be able to give credit but someone said the the situation with when you bring up the idea that crime rates are lower but you kind of put that out with the fact that no one lets their kids kind of go out the same way. So is it True. just that there are less victims of available? Trust authority, like they, like they did back when we were growing up. In yeah. That aspect. Um, 
Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Here's a, I think maybe maybe a bad example. Maybe it's not. But <laughs> all the run-ins we had with police on on undertow tours. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. That Lots. would be probably <laughs> different today, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. You know, like. Well, I, I mean, they I would have been different then if the it wasn't a van full of white guys. But police, yeah, yeah. but police back then weren't not like militarized like they are today. You know what I mean? They're not fucking basically. They 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 weren't like as itchy trigger finger as they are today. They just they just weren't. It was different, mm-hmm. right? So it's a it's a different world, man. And it's just I don't know. It's much more dangerous today. I think. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we're just like you know, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it wouldn't be different, but I, I I you know, police they were different back then. They're different now. Mm-hmm. That is a whole new dynamic. It's yeah. different. Itchy trigger finger. Less training. Right. You know. Military weapons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn. I remember the first time, remember when we were in, uh, at the airport in Berlin, that was the first time I ever saw like a machine gun. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God. At the airport. Yeah. yeah. And that was, yeah. so that was 90, 95. So scary. And, and we, I mean, we spent, <laughs> we spent what, like 36 hours at that fucking airport. Oh. Yes. But that was the first time talking <clears throat> about like police that are militarized, you know, we're sleeping and playing volleyball with a fucking balloon. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then seeing guys just walk by with machine guns. It's like, fuck, dude. That's I just stepped weird. back in the room. Which airport? Berlin? Uh, no, that Frankfurt? Frankfurt. Frankfurt. We were talking about uh, how the police are militarized or whatever. And I was, I. Yeah. I, 99, I, I went over with my clan and uh, the Schiphol airport, uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, seeing, seeing dudes just in there with their machine guns and like. I wanted to go over shepherds. and talk to him about him and like, you know, can I check that out? Yeah. It's just that the world's different and yeah. everything's, there's a different context to like every interaction now. So I feel less prepared to deal with those sort of things maybe than I did when I was 17. <laughs> so let's, I just felt more immortal back then, but being childless and having, well, I, I, I don't have to face this with my own kid. Right. And I don't know how Mark, if you, you feel like you plug into that at all, but do you think there's an element of that that is just because it's your kid or do you think it's do you think that some of that is coloring your perspective on it are you willing to are you are you willing to to uh engage with the idea that it might be better than you think it is that it would still be safe to do well it wasn't it wasn't safe but it would still be doable yeah i mean i'm I'm sure she'd be ultimately fine i mean i would like i said if if she wanted to go on tour with her band uh which doesn't exist but if that's something she wanted to do <laughs> right i'd be like yeah go ahead i mean the part of me would probably be kind of stoked like fuck it's gonna be awesome you know all you assholes are gonna be sitting on your fucking phones the whole time or i had a backpack full of tapes that all i could bring with me <laughs> yeah, listen to mark cds till I, got I think, sold. Any, I think any of us were if our kid or kids were at the age to jump in a van and go i think all of us would be like, "Cool, I'm gonna go with you," uh. but not be the, but not be the like, you know, the the intense parent, but be like, "This is gonna weed. be fucking awesome. I'm going on tour with my kid." Yeah, like, that'd be pretty that's sick. An awesome scenario. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, so yeah, I, I totally admit, like, I, I having a kid fucking skews my perspective on this shit. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um. It just forces you to think about things like you you didn't have to think about before. You have to think about it. You have to deal with it. You know somehow. Like I don't know. My my kid wants to do a band. She wants to go out. Like it just depends. It depends. 
She's in a band with a bunch of fucking douchebags that I can't fucking stand. Yeah. Hell fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you know, but if they're all great kids and I trust them, I'm, yeah, why not? You know? For me, with no kids, but I have uh, two nephews and a niece. And when they all hit 16 and they're in high school and whatnot, I, you know, I'm looking back and I'm like, man, when I was 16, we were fucking playing with Jawbreaker. We were on the fucking <laughs> road. And I look at them and they're, they're fucking great kids. And now they're in their 20s and shit. But like, going like, ah, oh, man. Like, that's insane that we were 16 and fucking hit the road. <laughs> Stole Damien right after graduation. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, to me, I was like, I'm not a parent, but it, watching family members hit this age group and being like, damn, dude, we, it was like, you know, sell the house, sell the kids, sell the car. I'm not fucking coming home. I'm going on the fucking road. And we just did it. But yeah, it was, we had been playing together for years. Yeah. You knew if the van never ran again from Kentucky, we're still going to make it home. Yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. fucking yeah. fine. But I, I do watch like, like we got some kids at, at work. They have this uh, my first job, and they're super young. And so I'm like, that kid would never make it. <laughs> that kid would never make it. That kid will. So I definitely have that. Like, dude, you went last fucking a minute. <laughs> and then other kids, I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah. So I had an experience so. when I was driving for Soto's company. I did that for a couple of years. And uh, one Christmas, this girl was given a uh, a credit card that she could use specifically to um, get rides. And her mom's like, you know, you can just go around the city with your friend. We trust this car company. And so she was a, you know, 15-year-old high school girl or whatever. And I'm picking up her and her friends and taking them downtown and then five hours later picking them up and dropping them off. So we dropped off a bunch of her friends one day and she was the last one in the car. And she started telling me the stories and she was like, oh yeah, that girl you just dropped off, she's been run away from home for like, for like three weeks or something. And I was just like, what you know and she's like oh yeah she but she just but she's just staying at all of our houses and then when she knows her parents are at work she just goes back and eats food and gets her clothes and stuff like do they know she's run away and she's like i don't know <laughs> but i was i was saying like it's just surprising to me you know i, I drive around bartenders and well, i didn't say i'll tell her all the types of people yeah. that i drove around all the time but like i said it's weird because i can't imagine a group of 15 year old kids riding around in this car and going around the city without without a parent it's not it doesn't seem like that's how kids are and she said most of the kids at my school aren't aren't like that they're all totally sheltered then that was her you know and she and i said i said something and i remember her saying like we we are going to destroy these kids she was saying like in a few (laughs) years we will own them we'll be their bosses and i'm like oh wow this is like this 14 or 15 year old girl all of a sudden talking about how she knows for a fact the experience that she's getting right now, she's going to be able to lord over all these people. <laughs> it was kind of a trip. Wow. Well, another thought that I just had is, too, I mean, we're all straight edge, so it wasn't like... Yeah. You know, we were motivated to go play shows, and we're straight edge, so there was no, like... We, we, we were using our brains. <laughs> yeah. You know, as much as we could. There was... It's not like we just fucking hit the road and we're going to follow the fucking Grateful Dead, you know? We had purpose, and I think that part of that kept us... I wouldn't say in line, but we also like weren't drinking or doing drugs. Like, you know, maybe we fucking egg somebody's house and fucking throw a teepee. You know, it, it <laughs> yeah. was the, the, the craziness that you see with other people get into. We were mild mannered, although, you know, we ended up at shows with fucking skinheads and having to defend yeah. ourselves. So we had a fucking crazy experience, but it also like we were legit about like, okay, we're going to California. We're going two months on the road. Everybody pack up your shit, but we're all responsible. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, one, and he, one one fucking knucklehead could have ruined the whole fucking thing. You know what I'm totally, saying? Totally, yes. You got one asshole that's like, whatever. I don't even want to get into it. 
Not us. <laughs> it, it's, I've, been, I've been to bands where you're like, this motherfucker, dude. Yeah. He's this son of a bitch, you know? No, I've never Shit. been in a band like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think about how some of these uh, questions are, are going to bleed into each other. So, uh, Soto says, why did you name yourself after a Tool album? <laughs> It was better than Firestone or whatever the fuck Pedabon <laughs> came up with. Bridgestone. Bridgestone. Is it? We. Uh, so what? Which is it? Is it Firestone or Bridgestone? Bridgestone. Bridgestone. Right. Tire. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> They're both tires, dude. <laughs> okay, I think we have to. I think we're gonna have to go with some jokey ones. That uh, well, so, okay. Sean O'Leary asks. Uh, I want to ask him if he's wearing sweatpants. Right <laughs> with his shirt. Tucked no, no. In. This is O'Leary. Oh, this wow. is <laughs> not Landy. Damn it. Yeah. Not Landy. Um, both Canadians. It's fine. Uh, he says, what was the worst pile-on injury? Oh, fuck that. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Murph's garage. That was the worst one? You, I mean, were you injured Dude, for a long time after that? You, so you had actual cracked ribs that you lived with for a while know. after that. That fucking hurt. <laughs> but it hurt. Yeah, it fucking sucked. Most people thanked during a set. Oh, jeez. Oh, Christ. my God. <laughs> Most of them burning dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. I haven't gotten to that question yeah, yet. On. Just hold oh, off. Oh, amazing. Hold the off greyhounds. on that question. <laughs> the vocalist people. is going to have to answer that one. Then. Okay. The most thank yous. Uh, was, there a, was there a specific time when you remember thinking, like, maybe too many thank yous? I don't know about thank yous. There was definitely talks of, like, the grounds. Okay, was, hold on. We'll get there. Was, Nate Deshane uh, asked the question, so we'll I, get. I want to thank the kids. <laughs> this one goes out to all straight kids. Yeah, love the kids. Want to thank Mark. Want to thank Damien. Want to <laughs> thank Murph. Want to thank my cousins here. Scott Key. <laughs> Scott Paul Key. What show was that, Mark? <laughs> what show was that? Uh, he, he, found, he found he had a Prior reunion. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm making shit up because there, oh. <laughs> there was definitely times where. Uh, John would be saying something. I'm sorry, but you already know this. Yeah, uh, we would. I'd fucking talk we, too we, much. I just look at Murph. Murph be like, "Yeah, let's go. One, two, <laughs> three, one, two, three, four, and we just go." That's what I'm waiting. <laughs> hey, it, just, it was a game to see it's how long you go. Silence. <laughs> yeah, it's it's si- got to be filled. Silence is worse. Yeah. No, but you're a um, great frontman. I mean, thanks, man. I'm not. Oh yeah, I, I I'm mean, hey, no one equals this. death. <laughs> <laughs> no, silence is consent. Who was that? You guys remember? Come on, uh-uh. sound hardcore history. Bogus Looney? S- Silence is cassette. <laughs> Whipped? Oh, man. False Liberty. Oh, false li- oh, oh holy wow. shit. Bogus Looney wasn't a hardcore band. What? I said Bogus Looney wasn't oh, a hardcore yeah. band. I thought you said False Liberty. I was like, what? I'm walking out. Really? So, oh, that, so that was that was False Liberty? Silence equals <laughs> yeah. consent? Okay, O'Leary has a third question. Last one. Merits, if any, of recording with a Fender M80 amp? Uh, shit. Awesome. Yeah. Best name ever. <laughs> Um, everybody should use it. It's uh, it's a classic. Doesn't take any time to warm up. Yeah, you 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 don't even need speakers for it. It's got a <laughs> headphone jack that you can just plug your guitar into, and then and, and then, then mic the headphones. Yeah, it's fantastic. I still have one. Cool. Why he's gonna. Why I think he's that? gonna yeah. like that. Uh, oh well, just back in the day. Influence? No, no. Uh, it was uh, a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something. Went to a place and they had a they had a Marshall and they had that, but that fucker had so much gain on it. I mean, I didn't know the difference between solid state and tube, how fucking thin a solid state sounds, but it was a Marshall and it wasn't like an 800 or even a 900. It was just like kind of their blues model or some yeah. shit. So 
you know, we're writing Look Before You Leap, and I need, <laughs> I need some fucking gain. So those were the two options. Also, the one that I had was a rack mount. So back in the day, you could get, like, a processor and get, like, you could sound like Queensryche, you know? Like, <laughs> dude, it had a hundred different programs you could put in with, like, Echo and all the shit that I fucking never used. And I think I got a wireless. Yeah, nice. so it, the idea of having a rack mount and, like, being, like, a pro and you can get that tuner that's, like, you know, like a Cylon eye back and forth, right? <laughs> You had the BC Rich too. What's that? You had the BC Rich too. Yeah, I mean, God, I, somebody's asked me how many different guitars I played during Undertow, and and some of them are just photos borrowing yeah gear from somebody else. But the actual guitars, I don't know, man. I had I forgot I had that SG, the the um the special. Yeah, this is before your time, okay. and I switched over to the BC Rich, and that fucker wouldn't stay in tune. <laughs> so we're up in Canada, and I threw it over Murph's head because I was so fucking pissed. Oh, so remember that shit? Yeah. And we that was the night we almost broke up. Yeah. And we're like, we're done. After the yeah, we're like, <laughs> yeah. she's going home from Canada, and we're we're fucking done. This is, I, this is over. Then I had Paul at some point, and yeah. I had you know, there's a bunch of shit, but Sean's gonna love this conversation. Yeah. He's, he's, I know he's but, into the gear. The M80 was, yeah, and then and then you you know the recordings we did down in uh was down near the fucking uh, Rainier Brewery. Yeah, we did those electric the, eel. Is, that... is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, man, it just it, it sounded good for the time, and I wanted it to sound like Inside Out and Chain of Strength. Like those guitars were so good, but uh, I had no idea what a fucking amp was. You know, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Um. So since you brought it up, Nate DeShane says, what about the dogs in the fire? <laughs> Who knows? They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What there was, was a news story. People hear about the burning dog story. They, just let the, they let the greyhounds. There was a fire at a place, uh, at a kennel? Yeah, maybe. Okay. It was like, a, you know. Was that that show at that church? Current events in Seattle, Washington. I, was, I wasn't the there. Time. I only Saint heard Joseph's. about it. Yeah, maybe Spark Marker? Okay. Yeah, I think I was there, but I wasn't in the band yet. Just okay. Just Spanky playing bass. I think it was post Seth. Dude, I have a video of that somewhere. I mean, it was on VHS. Ooh, I had it too. Yeah, I need, well, I need that. At one point, I think I copied everything show. for a celebration for Murph back in the day of all the videotapes I had. And now I see some of them on the internet, but there was definitely a video of that show because, I mean, when when I made those copies, you all got got them. Uh, going back and listening to like the songs that we had when like Seth and James. <laughs> Like, listening to old material that we never released and being like, fuck, thank God we didn't fucking release <laughs> yeah. Just a mess. Deceived or some shit. You know? <laughs> right? Deceived. That was a song, right? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I was, today, I took my daughter to Richmond Beach. I was driving back, and I drove by the fucking Masonic Temple. We played oh, yeah. that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, we played that building. That's where fucking Naomi cracked her head, <laughs> gave herself vertigo. Oh, yep. wow. Remember that yeah, shit? Yeah. It's kind of my fault. What oh, she's that? <laughs> deaf in one ear, right? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. It was like bad, right? Yeah. Close, yeah. yeah, real bad. Oh. Who else played that? I don't fucking know. Was that the Payne's Gray show? Dude, only played once. Don't ask me. Is that the yeah. accused play? No. 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 I think Payne's Gray. All I know Greg, is we it played. It was Greg and yeah. Dan. <laughs> All I know is that she was on the side of the stage. She's like, I really want to stage that. I've never staged that. I was it. like, I go for it. And it was between oh, songs. And she ran a jump, dude, and everybody fucking cleared out of the way. And she just hit the fucking ground. So Oof. I felt really bad, but I mean, seriously, people should have caught her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they should have caught her. You know, that's the, the idea. Everybody that's... knows she was coming. And they weren't, they weren't moving out of spite. It was just, ah, but it would have been, <laughs> it would have probably been better if we had been playing and everybody's active. Yeah. Right. So I always was like, fuck, man, I shouldn't have said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Eric, who's in Edgecoral with you, John, uh, 
says, who's the sexiest floor puncher? Like in the world? No, nah, just in the band. Oh. oh. I guess who's got the moves? <laughs> I think Not well, I. Ryan and I are the only ones that really moshed. That's how I, that's how Mark mosh a little bit here. Well, right? yeah, a little bit. Oh, I, was, I had a no. I was more of a stage diver and bad at it. But I had this conversation <laughs> with somebody recently that's like five years older than me, and I was like, I bet back in the punk days you were a pogo dude. You're just pogoing up oh, and God. down. And I was like, Do you think I'm a fucking slam dancer or a stage diver? <laughs> He's like, Well, you know, I know you played in bands, so you always had access to the side of stage. So I bet you're a fucking stage diver. So it became this like, I mean, ask your friends about that one. Like, like were you fucking Sherlock that out of you? Know, I mean, there's there's a guy in the fucking circle pit doing the fucking you know this. You know, there's different moves for different people. And me was like, I did have access to the side of stage. And I just throw my fat body on top of people. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't know it was coming. It's not like I was doing flips. You know? uh, I'm not. But yeah, I, I think it, the idea of like where you're a floor puncher, where you're a circle pit, where you're a pogo. Did it all. Fucking, yeah. Why limit yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, the reason why I asked that is because it, it does bleed into this just a little bit. Uh, some guy named Brian Hill asked, how long does it take to drive to Cleveland from Detroit? <laughs> In unison? <laughs> from here? <laughs> two hours. Two hours. Two hours. Anyone want to do the invitation? Two hours, dude. It's the best. That's the best fake two hours we ever drove, though. I think. Oh man. Because it because it did guy. it did end up with us learning how to kickbox in his uh in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was fucking awesome. We stayed with so him for like two days this. on that that one trip. Mark brought a photo album over tonight that literally has a photo of brian doing that yep so i'm gonna try to get, i'm gonna put that photo up teaching us teaching us the overalls uh, what's that he's wearing overalls yeah. super 90s thing oh, people wore overalls yeah, so. i never had any uh, when yeah. we came home people were bummed and we'd start dancing oh it changed oh yeah of way <laughs> did anyone in this room ever wear overalls i didn't no as a baby yeah at oshkosh <laughs> when I was three. You know what I mean, David. Come on. John, look, say, John, John tilted yeah. his John, head John, and, has a, and he has not answered yet. <laughs> That's so, I think so. Like, in my house of pain days. It's like, like there was, was some. Yeah, my Danny boy. District, more, more because, like, the, the underground. The underground. Yeah. underground. Shit. Your underground there days. There was the Annex and Redmond. Yeah. Oh, Dude, that. Dancing, me and Paul. Who were, and you, were, you were there with me, the underground. We saw Unleashed, Entombed. Oh, yeah. And oh. Morbid Angel with Rocker Steve. Yeah, I thought it was Cannibal Corpse, too. No, no, no. no, no. no. So it was, that show. There was, I still have it. I still have an Unleashed fucking shirt from that show. Dude, that, that <laughs> club awesome. was awesome because it was like the goth. They had awesome goth nights. Then they had like awesome like new wave nights. Then fucking Unleashed would play or Seven Seconds and Brotherhood yeah. and just fuck. I remember that, that night they had like Nazi skinheads were running oh, the door. Huge. And yeah, I, and we running were, like, with the skinheads so that door. Bombed. And I just remember like <laughs> I remember at one point during Morbid Angel like we were just going fucking off. It was like so much fun. And there was like a Nazi kind of yeah. leaning on the stage, and I just like cocked back and hit him with everything I had. I was like. Fucking fourteen, <laughs> and it was like shooting a bear with a twenty-two. You know? <laughs> he just like started looking around like, who the fuck did that? And I just like slinked back, you know. And I was like tucked and hiding behind like, the tomb's gear, you know. I'm like, oh, shit, that didn't do anything to him. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. What was the singer's name of Ignite? Zoli. 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 I remember when Zoli like, let me punch him. I had the same experience. <laughs> and then you punched him. He's like, ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah, it was a good punch. 
Fucking Zoli. Fucking mate. Go for it. I did on that last that second. Oh yeah, we, <laughs> we, we oh, there's I, some I, ignite I, talk I, in the new one. Detail yeah. all the details. He alludes I go into a bunch. Of, he alludes uh, to some of details. Water, orange in the Tone asshole. Can you tell oh, I didn't tell about the, the clippers. No, no, no. no. Oh, go for it. The orange in uh, the asshole. I forgot about that. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> the last night of the tour was amazing. We just fucked with them. Yeah. Wait, Damien, like, you, you just said something fruit. quiet that didn't come through. Let's just focus on that for a minute. Well, they're trying to light their dicks on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. This is burning. They were like just standing in the fire. Like we had that place we played where we like just stayed outside of it. I can't remember where it was. Had like the night. Had uh. Oh, oh. There's like grain silos and like cool graffiti. Ah, Zurich, Switzerland. Okay, yeah. Dude, Pat Federley was there. Like, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, dude, that was... We had a big fire going and they were like... You and I, Damien, you and I (laughs) broke into the warehouse next door and we Uh stole like 55 fucking pallets. (laughs) (laughs) And we had the biggest fucking... It was like we were like on a football rally in Texas. Like... We had we, at one point. Do you remember? Yeah, we couldn't get much. we couldn't get close enough to the fire to throw a pallet on, so we had to like sit back. We'd like and swing it and like one, <laughs> two, three, and like launch it because it's like you couldn't get within fifteen feet without burning yourself. It was so huge. <laughs> so to recap, <laughs> and then there was the train, and we were trying to break into the train. Yeah, I remember that now. We fucked the door. We could never get in. So. <laughs> So the two of you went crazy in a foreign nation and tried to be like what we hear about all the time, which is immigrants infesting the country and yes. trying to steal things, burn things, oh, we were, break yeah. into trains. Piece of shit American trash. Like, <laughs> Welcome to Zurich. Yeah. They're, they're so sweet there. Oh, God. It was a diamond train. But... Yeah, that was awesome because yeah, then like then like there was like a game where like you drop your pants and you try to back up to the fire and like the first one and the last one or the person that got closer to the fire was the winner you know and everyone screamed like ah here's the thing so I totally understand that game that sounds like kind of a good game yeah and it, well that was how it started and then it just like kept progressing into more and more like horrific shit until like someone was trying to shove a whole entire orange in their asshole <laughs> <laughs> I was sleeping during all this, dude. I, I, I would did not see any of this, but I know the story, so I missed out on that one. The best, you said tried eleven grapes went in, ten came out. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a different yeah. night, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that was like pretzels? on. That was like the that we the had like, worst funnest tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the fun time, part was just us tri- like revenge. <laughs> On the rest like, of them. Like during that tour, it was fucking horrible. And do you guys do you guys remember we asked Man- Mandel? Because we to weren't go really us. a band. We'd already oh, broke we? up. So <laughs> we asked Mandel to go to Europe with us on that tour. And Mandel had just done the United States with Ignite. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, dude, I'm good. I don't want to go." <laughs> <laughs> and and then when we get back from Europe, I t- I talked to him and he's like, "Yeah, dude, how was it? Like, there are, there's a fucking reason I didn't want to go on that tour." Oh god, <laughs> shitheads. Oh. Speaking of uh, things I would never let my kid do, that was... <laughs> I was gonna say that was the tour that uh, we were we were we were in the airplane. We had like taken off from SeaTac to go to like I don't know fucking Chicago or somewhere for our layover, 
I went like, oh, God, I never told my dad I was going to Europe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I called him, collect from the phone on the back of the seat of the plane. And I was like, I'm going to Europe, Dad. He's like, oh, okay, how long? I'm like, like, five or six weeks, I'm not totally sure. It's like, well, I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> like, I would not let my kid do that in a million years. Oh, my God. How would you stop it? Uh, I'm mean, on the plane. I guess I'd just be really mad for a long time. <laughs> All right, this one, I don't know how this one's going to go over, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, when precisely did you realize that white guy dreadlocks were not going to go over well? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know the answer to this. Uh, my, current, um, my current drummer has dreadlocks. <laughs> so, well, again, it was a different time. Yeah. And I will tell you, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. That was where Livernoy I was like. Street? Yeah. Wrong turn down Livernoy mm-hmm. Street. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I'm in the past And all seat. of a sudden, I'm like. I need to shave my head, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad neighborhood. There's like corpses on the ground and houses oh, on fire. I mean, uh, the, the the skys- I'd never seen anything like it. The skyscrapers <clears throat> in downtown Detroit when we pulled in were all boarded up with wood. <laughs> like five stories because everybody had smashed out all the fucking windows, but those buildings were fucking vacant. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, we took a wrong turn. It was like, man, we got to find out how to get back. We pulled into a gas station. It was like, I'm not getting out. Yeah, I'm not getting out. I'm not getting out. You know, just it looked was... at the van. And I think we just turned. I don't think. No, remember there was directions. bulletproof glass at the subway, subway. that I went yeah. to. Yeah, well, it was Chokehold, crazy. Their van got shot up a week after we were there. It was either that tour or the next tour, and one of those guys was saying like that the bullets actually hit their fucking van, and they like were laying down in the van like pop, 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 pop. Wow. I mean, I think they got a book coming out or something, but it's probably in there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember being that like, shit was well, crazy. We were, we were just there. Yeah, they did but not you, like the white person dreadlocks. I seem to remember <laughs> that you got comments in New York. Yeah, on the street, yeah, the, right? The, yeah, the Rasta dudes in New York too. They, did not they like it. They didn't appreciate them. <laughs> but a lot of people had them back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They were inspired 100% by fucking Tommy accused. You know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and they were like, man, there were girl magnets for most of the tour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there are certain people that didn't like them. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, Why? Well, we, don't, we don't really get political, but I'm interested just even if we cut this part out. What do you guys think of that? The idea that people can't have dreadlocks. I mean, obviously your drummer does. Yeah. You just said. I mean, we just want him to shave it because we hate him. <laughs> it's, it's, I, we don't really care about the cultural appropriation part. I, I don't know. I think that's a weird thing. I actually watched, is it uh, cultural appropriation? I don't know if it is because Michael Ann points out that if she didn't wash her hair for a very short period of time, she would have dreadlocks. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's weird. It's weird to assign like something like oh dreadlocks. That's a black thing. Like you're immediately like assigning it to somebody where like people in Asia do it. Um, there's like Asian cultures where people have dreadlocks. It's not. It's not just not a specific thing. It's. It feels very categorical i don't know i watched a youtuber this guy uh that one janitor he's a black guy with dreadlocks and he mm-hmm. says the number one question he gets is is it okay for white people to have dreadlocks oh and his opinion is like i couldn't give a shit less i'm right. not a rastafarian i don't know why anyone would care and he's definitely said it wasn't i don't know i kind of feel like it kind of is weird to be clear it. i'm not trying to make a point i just think it's an interesting thing yeah and, I, and it's I, like I, like i would rather i mean i don't have them I'd rather err on the the side of caution and something like this, but it's it's, it's weird that it it got. We I didn't the first time I ever heard anyone have a problem with it was on tour with you, and I think it, I don't even remember Detroit. I remember you saying someone said something to you in New York. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and then that was probably cool. the first time where I went, huh? But I've in my life I've had a lot of those moments where, <laughs> as just a oblivious white guy, someone says something to me, and I go. Huh, and it causes me to kind of rethink, you know. Matsuoka's done that to me a number of times, yeah. you know, where he's just like, oh, I guess what you don't think about 
oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have to rethink things. Sixteen yeah. candles. I, I, Sixteen <laughs> candles, exactly. You know? I think if if I spontaneously grew dreadlocks all the Can't time, it it'd now. be something I'd worry about, but I have the opposite problem, so um I don't know. I, I guess to be clear, I guess I'm not totally certain how I feel about it. I don't mm. know if it matters too much from my perspective. Yeah. But. I don't know. For me personally, I'm like, give a fuck, it's hair. Yeah. I just want to look like I, a fucking scumbag. hundred <laughs> percent. Like I was tired of like the fucking champion sweatshirts and fucking the way straight edge kids are supposed to look, so let's do the exact fucking opposite and I'm gonna wear the same fucking shorts for five years. Right. And I'm gonna grow out my hair and just be fucking disgusting. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> as know? far as like, you know, if, like Rastafarian or whatever, like, it's just another fucking religion. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, do you see that whole thing with him and Kenyon Martin? No. Jeremy Lin's a, he, he's a pro basketball player. I don't know who he's playing for now, but he was, he's uh, an Asian guy and um, he grew dreadlocks and he's like, is this appropriate? And then a bunch of other basketball players came in and said, no, that's fucked up. You're stealing our culture. And he wrote them back. I think you've got a Chinese symbol tattooed on your neck. Isn't that stealing my fucking culture? Ooh. And he's he's from Harvard he's, or Yale yeah. or something like that. So I thought, you know, that's fucking brilliant. Like, yeah, everybody I'm covered in Japanese tattoos. Does that make me I'm stealing a culture? Uh, yeah. It's know. confusing to me because I thought the idea was, I mean, OK, this is going to sound dumb, right? This is like every what about guy or whatever. But like, isn't the point about mixing it all up? Like accepting other people and accepting their cultures, and I mean, I I didn't yeah. understand. It's weird to me the idea. Stay out, you can't be in. Yeah. That begins to feel wrong, you know. Yeah. I did work but. with a Rasta guy at a, a fucking Angelica Kitchen, and and he you couldn't touch his head, couldn't touch his hair, and he's like, this is where all my power comes from. This is where God talks to me through. So don't yeah. don't touch my back or my head or my dreads. And you're working in a fucking kitchen, dude. By the way, like, I'm, I'm gonna fucking bump into you, you know. Yeah. And I'm an atheist, so go fuck that bullshit you know right although but, i'm not trying to but i'm trying to be anybody's. respectful that like okay, yeah i've got this thing and i don't want you to you know fucking touch my head cool i won't it's not a big fucking deal yeah, it's, it wasn't i it. wouldn't be touching anybody's head anyway though that's weird unless it was, accident, well, unless it was know, accidental you're going by in a kitchen like behind you and you gotta like i mean literally he was that sensitive about it and that's his fucking right i, I really didn't care but when you've got a fucking thing of soup or something you're going by somebody and you're like behind you yeah it, if he backs into me i get fucking drenched in fucking hot lava you've got to like <laughs> yeah it's a physical place being in a kitchen you've got to be like coming around coming around behind you and sometimes you bump into somebody and if he's like don't touch my fucking elbow dude i've got an elbow here and it's a magical one <laughs> you know and if you touch it i lose all my fucking magic it's like well you know yeah shit, i'll try i'll try not to touch your elbow dude i'm cool with that man well, sure but if i actually i'll try to comply elbow, with whatever anybody wants i'm not gonna they gotta live their life and... right elbow. yeah like it Interesting. All right, so we we won't get too deep into stuff like that, but we might as well stay a little bit, a little bit deep. We got a couple questions about uh, the role of women in hardcore. Like, how did you? What did you think about the role of women in hardcore at the time? I'm gonna add to this, even though it wasn't my question, simply because I kind of feel like it was weird to say hardcore because we didn't really have necessarily a hardcore scene. We had more like a hardcore punk scene. Mm-hmm. which brought a lot more women into play. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what did you think about the role of women in hardcore at the time and, and, and also specifically the Riot Girl movement? Hmm. Uh, for, for me, getting into it, like getting into punk and starting to go to shows and seeing community, I feel that the Northwest and like the Seattle area had very important women in it already. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even in your thought about that. They like, 
they're there. It's it, they're part of it too. Mm-hmm, you know, right. you know what I'm trying to say. Like the show, those early on shows for me, Lori Lefevre was putting those on. Do we? Yeah. So she's like very important person in the scene, and yeah, she's a woman. But we never, I never, it never separated the thing. And then getting into hardcore and like starting to know all these guys, like we had Kirsten and Julie Roberts, like and they were they were there too and so it's like that i hear that question come up a lot and it's just like i I don't see why there need for us specifically there that question needs to be asked because there was always women along with us yeah meg meg put on so many of those shows that were like some of the best shows in my life like many many influential women and i i like the with kirsten and julie i kind of felt like Specifically, the straight edge scene. Us, for sure, the straight edge scene here mm-hmm. had very strong female influences sure. right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, and some of those girls, a lot of people be, didn't even know them by the time the there was a bigger hardcore too. scene here. Right, right. Well, we're not yeah. even in a riot girl yet, right? Yeah, Because yeah. we're still a couple years before that, I think. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with John. Like, it was nothing I had, like really thought about. It was just like, yeah, they're they're just into it too. It, it wasn't a thing. It was just it was it was, a, it was, it normal. was just normal. Um, I think specifically with the riot girl thing, like I don't know. I mean, I I just thought it was I thought it was cool. I mean, it was like you can't deny that like as like a population, the punk and hardcore scene was underrepresented, right? Yeah, you know. But on the female side, it was like overly white male, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like you know, and it's like I think I think maybe Curtis Pitts at one point, like somebody was like. You know, we're at the party hall, and someone's like, "You know, it's just a bunch of white suburban kids here." And Curtis is like, "What do you want us to do? Like, bus people into oh, hardcore no, shows?" No, it was a struggle, Jose. Yeah. Holy it was shit. At the manumission struggle. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's he right. said, it's, "What do you want us to do? Yeah, bus yeah, yeah. people into yeah. hardcore?" Yeah. Oh wow. But I mean, he's, he, he had a point. Yeah. It's like, what? We can only do so much. You it's, know what I mean? Like, we can be as inclusive as we can, but we can't force people. To fucking like this music and come to these shows, but it, without dismissing the concern. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I because I understand why the question gets asked. Sure, but it's funny to look at the genesis of something where it came from and then say oh, it's not good because it wasn't uh, diverse enough. When the funny thing is, it it for our area, it it actually was so, right because it know, wasn't terribly diverse. Like Jose, right? Yeah. Like to, to ask us, was it Jose? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just like, dude, do you know where you're at, right? Like you're in Seattle. Like this is the most sterile white place on the fucking planet. You yeah. know what I mean? And by the way, even despite that, here's Matsuoka and here's James and here's you know right. I mean, here's yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul. Here's people we know that like you know yeah that have have decided yeah. that it's cool to be involved with us. Yeah, like right. I don't know. Yeah. It, and yeah, you're from San Diego. There's probably more people of Hispanic yeah, yeah, yeah. descent from I mean, the show. I mean, <laughs> as like as like a a, a a subset of the population of Seattle, like our hardcore scene was representative. Yeah, it's like ninety percent of the it's black guys like, in yeah. Seattle. Were oh, shows. we we did just switch from gender to race, though. We should so, probably stay gender. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. I, my point was is like you know like I don't know. We didn't have some HR program in place <laughs> to like <laughs> increase our diversity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. So I feel like if it, well, go finish your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, like the riot girl thing was a little more like prominent in like you know this is a thing, this is a movement. Hey, I have no problem with that. That was cool, you know. And I like the music, you know. At the same time, it's like with anything though, like it can go 
any it can, straight is the same way and go a little too far it becomes exclusive yeah right and it, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like okay now it's kind of shitty you know like it's not for everybody it's just for you and your cool cr- it's like the better than you crew shit you know it's mm-hmm. like that's not cool uh, and i'm not saying that like the riot girl scene did that but like there maybe were factions no oh, i I, just, I had a very bad and experience and i will call straight edge out in general too because it was very much like that you know yeah I had a very bad experience, but also from the point of view of like didn't I didn't have this terminology at the time, but just like I'm I'm an ally, like hundred percent ally. Yeah. Like not like there is no point where I would keep anyone out of anything I was involved in. I want every woman that wants to be involved in this to be involved in it, you know? Like yeah. ton you know yeah. So it was very weird to hear and it was also weird to be part of a group of people that had lots of female friends that were coming out. And I, you know, I was in a band with Marie Coach in Bellingham. You know, one of the hardcore bands I was doing up there. We had a female member, which it's weird. Just having one female member was like huge at the time because there weren't as many. I mean, we're coming out of the seventies. We're kids coming out of the seventies and eighties. Growing up, it wasn't the path that girls went on as right. much as it was guys. Right. Like, and you it's can like math. well and it's but you know like i i thought it was great i really enjoyed the fact for me it was a personal point of like like i felt like a victory that just a few short years later i was able 10 years later on my record label i was able to put out a hardcore band from the northwest made up entirely of girls like of women that was it was awesome i was so inspired by that you know and i saw that they got a lot of shit but they were that was kind of a trailblazing thing there weren't a lot of you know there weren't a lot, you know, donuts would show up and then people would be like, oh, well, they're not as good. There are also a lot of reasons for that, right? Like I, if when, when guys are getting together and play music, like you're going to, te- there's a, okay, now we're, I'm, I'm branching out. See if, see if anyone disagrees with me on this. There's a little bit of a, almost like a nitpicking curve that you can put people on. So if someone is in a band and they're just like almost there. One person might say, your band is really good. I think it's great. And another person might be like, yeah, dude, you're going to have to step it up. You're not good enough. Both of those things will inspire a guy to like try to step up his game. Um, and I don't know that that kind of camaraderie exists in female circles the same way. Yeah, it might. Right. And you need so and, and when you guys start playing with a better band, both bands get better. And I hate to, you know, I mean, I've seen this many times with bands where people get together and then it's almost like there's a little bit of a competition. If there aren't other female bands playing hardcore to play with, maybe there's that element of it doesn't yeah. quite exist the I, same way. I guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't, even today, you know, I think about it, you know, there's a lot of bands like Mandel's put out a couple bands with like fronted by female vocalists, mm-hmm. right? And and they're good, but it, you know, and it's... And there's a lot of that going on. And I, I guess like I'm more, I'm surprised that there's not more of it at this point yeah. in 2018. Like I'm, I'm like, shit, man, like maybe we didn't do so well, you know, like, <laughs> like there should be more of that, you know? But so I guess when I, I think about it and I think about hardcore punk, whatever, all of it, like it's more of like this, like anarchistic system. Mm-hmm. There, there shouldn't be any fucking rules. There shouldn't be any, you know, order of how things are supposed to work. That's not the point. That's not punk, you know, yeah. it should be this natural thing. And what comes out, comes out. You know, and and I guess like maybe, well, you could try for utopia and get Road Warrior in that scenario. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I'm not even saying utopia. I'm just saying like I, I, it's not punk to have rules. Like it's in like this is the way bands should be and how they should and how good they should be or not be. Like you should have like one fucking female for every fucking two band members. Like right? I really 
Like, there shouldn't be any fucking rules. Like, that's not the point of punk or hardcore, you know? And I, I don't know. So, I mean, in one, in one respect, I, I'm like, okay, I look at 2018, I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like as hardcore music evolves, there should probably, I would expect there to be more, you know, diversity, I guess. Right, even though we don't have a diversity program in place, but, <laughs> uh, you would have hoped it just would have happened because of our values. And, but yeah. yeah, but on the other hand, it's like, well, it's kind of like this, yeah, like this anarchistic system where you know, who fucking knows where it's gonna go? It's just gonna go where it goes, and that's what it is. You know what I mean? But one thing it should never be is like exclusive, you know, and keep people out. Yeah, that's all. That's how I think about it. That's how I've always thought about it. Yeah. I think that's a common theme for Undertow. There was this subversive attitude even towards the, our peers around us, like other bands. It's like, oh, that was the band's doing. They think it's cool. Well, fuck it. It sucks. Like, I, I think that subversion is a really important thing, whether it's against society or even just your friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, just question everything. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Uh, about the Riot Girls? Any of it? I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, I agree with these guys. I, I don't know. It, I, the weird part for me was that oh, that's cool that you're doing that, but knowing the four of us, it's like, dude, we're actually, we're on your team, dude. And you're saying, like, we don't need you. Uh, fine, you don't need me, but... You also don't have to be an asshole to me. Yeah, and, we, and I think we played shows with a bunch of them down in Olympia, and then, mm -hmm. and it was definitely like, you're fucking straight edge, so you suck because you're these bro-y fucking jock dudes. Right. And that, that bugs me to no fucking end, because... No, dude, we're all fucking free thinkers, and yeah, if, if well there was a band at the time out. that it didn't really apply <laughs> yeah. to, it was yeah, Undertow. Like, yeah. We're really fucking well thought out, you know, and so that that bothers me when somebody says you can't be part of this, yeah, yeah. and everybody like, like you that. is fucking <laughs> evil or whatever. So that bugged me, but yeah. I was like, fucking do what you want, man. I don't fucking care. Yeah, I that I don't know. It bo that, that bothered me that, too. Yeah. Other than that, it's like I, I I get I get what they were doing. I I don't know. I mean. Like Murph said, in the punk rock scene, there are these, like, you got straight edge kids and their rules to that. Riot Girls, they have rules. There are these groups that have rules. And I really feel like with Undertow, we were we were like, fuck those rules, man. Right. Like, we we want to like, play with Last Gasp. We're fucking yeah. doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it just made Ajax no fucking sense. his hair on fire again. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think, like, and, and that was, like, the party hall days, but especially when we went out on tour and saw other scenes, like, fucking Salt Lake City or L.A. or New York and New Jersey, it really, I felt really grateful. Of like, wow, we've got a scene. We're on fucking tour with Spark Marker, you know? Those bands fit really well together, but I don't think, like, some of our contemporaries were pulling out bands like Spark Marker to go on tour with. I mean, we piggybacked on the first Spark Marker tour. It was their initial idea. But it, in Seattle, like, when I came back, I was like, holy shit, man. And it changed then a little bit later, but those party hall days, it, it was free fucking punk kids, hardcore kids. Super diverse. Fucking yeah. ska kids could come. Goth kids could come, man. Totally. You had something for everybody. So when somebody says, yep, we're doing this now, and you're not fucking invited, I know 100% Undertow never did that. We were never like, we're only having straight edge shows. Right. Yeah, it moved that direction when more bands came in. We definitely got bands to come up to Seattle, and I'm proud of that as well. But we were always like, yeah, I mean, we played 1007 a fucking ton of times, you know? So when somebody says... And it made sense. Yeah, when somebody it says... It did make sense then. Somebody says, this is my group, and you're not allowed in it, and oddly enough, we believe in the same fucking shit, but you've got cock and balls. You know, like, <laughs> fuck, well, I guess, I guess I'm screwed, you know, good luck with your shit, you know, I'll keep my forward movement with my boys. Yeah. yeah. It, that part just didn't make the separation of um, all of us being progressive as people, and, and, you know, I get it. Sure. But uh, and I try, know, to me, that was a bummer. I was like, I know these dudes, man, we're, we're super fucking liberal. 
and where we hate we hate some of the people coming to fucking our shows. I, I fucking hate that fucking football player. I hate that fucking guy, you know? <laughs> now he's at my fucking show, and he's like, yeah, 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 doing a fucking... When a jock does a fucking stage dive back in the day, that's like, you, <laughs> you fucking prick, you know? Like, you might be my friend, we might have a guitar class in high school and shit, but if you don't know how to properly stage dive, and you don't pick people up from the floor, and you want to be the asshole jock that shows up and is like, you know, in the fucking pit, thinking it's all about punching. Right. Oh, you went to Lollapalooza this summer, and yeah, you think like, you're a show oh guy. God. So that I, that element I get of like, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah you, there's you guys definitely like my club. Yeah, right? <laughs> that yeah. bugged the shit out of me. Right. Like, this is, I, yeah, very. I, I became very like, uh, you know, this is ours, and I don't want it. Right. To, I, you know. Right. There's definitely there's yeah. definitely people that go to shows and they you know they don't they don't get it. Yeah. Right. They don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. They're seeing something different than what's actually happening. Mm. And then they're they just like, oh, dude, yeah, you just punch people, yeah. shove people. <laughs> like they're not going there to contribute. That's not. <laughs> you might yeah. think you're seeing that, but that's not really what's happening, you know. And you can't you can't explain it. It's just like you just, dude, you just well, go away. I felt like those scenes were uh, were about like you were everyone who came there kind of contributed something to it, and then you get these people who are just there to like inflict themselves on everyone else. And it's like, I I didn't think about that at the time, but I'm kind of looking back on it now. Like most of the people of our scene, like. It felt like they made something, or they did something, or they're in a band, or at least they just really gave a shit about the people who were making zines and doing bands. And then you get these people from the outside who are just like, "Oh, is this cool now? Fuck!" I'm oh, it, it was people, it was Lex's pyramid of hardcore. What's this? She had <laughs> Lex. Mark knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, she had I didn't this, explain it that well. She had this philosophy thing, but... of uh, of the like hardcore was like a pyramid, and each each level were people that contributed oh, right, in right, some right. way, right? Because everyone was an active contributor. Lex, mm-hmm. someone involved with us in our hardcore scene. Who, you know, I mean, she was in a band early on. She didn't continue on with it, but it would have been if Lex had been, well, she did with uh, Ricky Tiki Tabby, but if Lex had, Lex had continued being a band, she would have played some of the same shows and would have had support from, you know, from most of us or all of us. I, I, I don't, I don't know of any situation where anyone actively discouraged women from being involved in what we were doing. But I think what what ends up now looking back there ends up being kind of like, did you do enough to encourage it? Right. And I think it's a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I think it has to be asked without malice. Sure. And I, that's yeah. kind of my point. Like, I think, like, it's 2018. I see these bands and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, kind of surprised. Like, there's not more. It right? seems like less. And like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, so I've had the thought, you know, and like actually my, you know, ex-sister-in-law now, Kate, Kate O'Wait, um, I, I said to her, you know, she was, she played guitar in 108, you know, all that shit. Yeah. And, uh, and I actually said to her, I'm like, yeah, I, I just feel like, like, I guess we didn't really do enough. Right. I, I just felt like there should be more like, cause when Kate did those 108 reunions where she played and it was like a big deal, everyone's like, Oh, you know, it's like, it shouldn't be a big deal. Like, why is it a big deal? It's 2018. It shouldn't be, I guess we fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I've had those thoughts for sure. I, I hope we've covered this. I mean, it was more serious than I thought we'd get into today. But like, you know, I mean, I put out a call for questions and question came up. And I mean, it's legitimate. And I, I have always felt like, so look, we can all sit around and think we were awesome. But maybe like someone look at from the outside and feel like they were more of an outsider than, than we knew they were feeling like at the time or something. You know, I'm not talking about the person specifically that asked the question. I just mean anyone who was there. And I remember having conversations about the time where thinking that we were very, very inclusive. And then every once in a while someone would be like, no, you're not. It's like, what the? F- you got to know my heart. I want you in with me, but mm-hmm. maybe that's not enough. 
Huh? Yeah, and who knows? I mean, there was there's other. I mean, this doesn't go to gender, but I've had friends be like, "Hey, I was in a like." This goes to Murph's kindergarten logic from his podcast of people saying, "I'm in a band, you're in a band, we should be friends." You know? Yeah. I'm like that doesn't make any fucking sense. It makes zero fucking sense. <laughs> How does that? Like... Unless you're a kindergartner. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it makes perfect so, sense. Yeah, there were, and with this person, I'm friends with him now, and I. Uh, and I was like, yeah, dude, just because you play guitar and I play guitar doesn't mean we were going to fucking hang out. We also had lives outside of this. Like, I'm dating somebody. I, I did a couple semesters in school. So not always meeting somebody at a show and having them come up to you and be like, I'm in a band, you're in a band, or we're in the same scene. Let's go fucking hold hands and get ice cream. It doesn't fucking work that way, man. I'm still thinking about, you know, loading the gear. Or is Merck going to kick my ass if I don't load the gear? <laughs> you know? Like, I, I guess... I guess for me, if if I was unpro- unapproachable back in the day, it was partly just because that's who I am, and I didn't. I, the scene's great, and the kids are fucking great. That's all cool, but there were times where it's like, yeah, I, I've, I'm on to you know what times the van we gonna get the van home, and you know you're just on to other things, and you and it, you can't always. I wasn't able, and I wasn't always able to engage at the moment that person wants to engage. Mm-hmm. I remember this happening in shift two, where people were like, well, you were definitely the band worker. Like in terms well, of like booking things and I mean, yeah, I, you you played a role that kind of necessitated you being a little more business. Yeah, but there were even times where it's like, man, I don't even want to fucking be at a show. I'd rather hang out with Michelle. I've been hanging out with these guys constant. You know, like I just want to be fucking left alone. Truly, I'm an introvert. Um, so there were times when people would come up and be like, I really like your band. And what, what are you doing next? And what guitar are you playing? And I've just shut them down. Like, dude, I'm not in the fucking mood. <laughs> not in the fucking mood you know and I wouldn't say that I'm saying it now so if, <laughs> if, if I was ever unapproachable it wasn't on purpose you know well I, let me walk that one back yeah there are definitely times where I was like yeah, yeah. there were other things going on it I was mean, on I, purpose it, but there were reasons damn it no there were reasons and sometimes it was just like this is was my it personal space yeah, yeah. I just we just played a show I'm tired you know, I got to work in the morning, whatever, making sandwiches, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. People's expectations when you get off the stage is that like, if I can get five minutes with this person, we're going to be besties, you know, like I just saw you on stage. We like the same music. I can just talk to Pettybone for five minutes. <laughs> we're going to fucking hang out, you know, and I just don't think that's reasonable. It's interesting though. <laughs> I must have trapped it, you guys at the perfect moment. <laughs> no, it's, I'm going to be friends with those guys. <laughs> it's hard though. Like it's, yeah. it's so taking myself into the role of the person mm-hmm. in the crowd, right? When you relate to someone's art, you feel close to them, even though they don't know who the hell you are and they've had a chance, like the person in the crowd has a chance to know about you. They can see yeah. your pictures. They can read about you. They hear your lyrics and they hear their, your music and they form a connection with you that you have not formed with them. So there's like an expectation when you meet somebody like that Yeah. to like, I feel ways about you that you couldn't possibly <laughs> feel about me, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a... And some of the stuff thing, we sang about was a also a connector to the crowd. Like we had a, a song about being a vegetarian. We did have, an, we have an atheist song. We have a song about uh, an anti-homophobic song. So there, there were connectors in there that would bring. I mean, we, you know, obviously we wanted an audience and play in front of these people. Um, but yes, there were definitely times where if somebody was like, "You were a fucking dick back then," I was like, "Well, maybe that night, maybe that night I had something else on my fucking mind, and I, and I don't have the fucking time for you to talk about the new fucking." statue record that's coming out you know i just don't have the fucking time dude that seemed very specific no i'm just, I, I, no, I swear to God, I'm just tossing out like band names that aren't around that, that are not gonna good. fucking insult you know maybe, maybe i hated your green sweatshirt we definitely wanted to build the scene too so there were times where it was like yeah we're like getting off stage and it's like yeah i do want to talk to you about this we are excited but sometimes when people are like you know you were a dick back in the day i was like yeah i was but 
let's put it in perspective. It's all about perspective. Maybe that night I just wasn't fucking having it. And maybe the next time you saw me, I was having it, man. We had a great time. I, I just getting off stage, man. Like fucking leave me alone. (laughs) What's time like? You got time for a couple more questions? All night. Uh, this one's, uh, about music and influence. Um, this is from Jay. He says, what inspired the slow tempos? Was it more the sound in their heads or was it the climate of the time period? And who were some of your key influences musically? It's all you, man. <laughs> it's all Mark, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I... Oh, Murph. It's got to be some Murph, too. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. we talked about this last night, I think. <laughs> yeah, where, and um, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, but this is Mark a good one. It. So <laughs> we, we were writing faster stuff. Uh, well, not there was fast stuff in there. And there was a period where I was coming in and everything was a mid-tempo uh shit and i remember being like dude nope you know like not today i remember that Uh, yeah it was it was at your dad's uh your parents house in the garage and he was like dude you got to stop writing this mid-tempo shit i want to play something fucking fast and i think that's where escape came out of it because Mm -hmm. i think damien was like you know you wanted to do like some similar stops where there was a burn song that had some stops Mm -hmm. so something got built out of that but there were definitely times where I remember Murph saying once, like, dude, if you play F to E, F to E, F to E, one more fucking time, you know, I'm walking out of this fucking room. So then it was like, okay, well, I've got to incorporate an A. So as far as the tempo stuff, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just write at home on an acoustic guitar and be like, I think, I think this would be cool. The the slower stuff, I I just don't know, man. Sometimes a riff would just come and you're like, well, that's got to be something. Yeah. I I mean, I think... At the time, just that time, like the early 90s, there was just slower hardcore, you know? Yeah. It was like a little more metal. And we slower. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No and Escape. We totally burn. loved it, you know? Those came and, out, it was like game changers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so we were influenced by all of that. Absolutely. I think I, part of me, now that I'm thinking about it too, is like it's really, the fast songs, you end up with this, I don't want to name names, you could end up with a seven inch that all kind of sounds the same, like a fast riff, I... Maybe it was harder to write a good fast riff that was original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because absolutely. literally it's like like where where's the fucking identity of our band in this? So I think probably some of that was like, I don't know how to write another fucking fast song where it's undertone. We don't sound like this group and this group. Yeah. Absolutely. And there there was a revival of like the eighty eight hardcore coming through in like the mid nineties as well. Yeah. And it was like, well, some of those And everything sounded the same. Yeah. Like, fuck, I was a part of that. I'll own it. You know, like, <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, I, paper bag hardcore. I mean, Jesus Christ, anyone could write this shit. I mean, there's, the, like, we haven't played Escape at, 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 like, any of the reunions, I think. Maybe the one we did in, like, 98. Because it's, like, a cool song shit, I guess. But there's nothing really going on there, right? So when we when we come up the set list, we've all got ideas of where I'm excited about this. This is a great way to start, a great way to finish, great middle. Escape, we never really fucking play anymore. And that's a good example of like a fast song that's like, what's going on there? Does it sound like Undertow? It does because it's us, but it, I can't remember how it goes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. I don't even, I don't, I, yeah. I don't know what it sounds like at all. <laughs> I, so, I seem to remember we wrote that like really quickly. Yeah. But I, I think one thing we, we also liked our sets to kind of be varied, like not every song to sound like the song before or yeah. after it. Yeah. I feel like the record kind of ended up that way too. It's like, I think the, uh, the one released the song on the record, you're like, we should have a slow song. Like oh yeah, really where do we slow. go from here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was another like one. Like simple e, and F, slow. F, <laughs> e, F. That would have been right at the end of like, dude, you play those two notes yeah, together. We got uh, enough, enough 
But that had that cedar chord that I like so much. Yeah, I, the, I, dissonant the, e I or like towards the end though, like the control seven inch, all that shit. Like that was definitely mid tempo, slower. But I don't know. Like to me, my recollection of that, we were just kind of like we found like some kind of like sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, sixteen twenty three is on that. I fucking love That's that like a song. Man. Yeah, sixteen twenty three and pin are my two favorite fast songs that we play. Like I fucking get off on that shit. Um, and we didn't even finish 1623 until we were in the studio. We finished it the day oh, yeah. of. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I remember that. Like, the, the fucking ending to it, I think we had two options. I mean, they were so similar. It was like, okay, we're either going, da da da, or we're going, da da da. Something like that. Like, we were literally like, we need to finish the song. Clint's like, cool, I'll go get falafel or something. I'll be back in an hour, and you guys better have this finished. And we fucking did it in the in the studio. Remember that? Somebody has one ends with the cymbals ringing out, too. Like, we really wanted that. Uh, yeah. Do we stop it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think you wrote the end. I mean, I just remember oh, being hey. at Clint's and we were like, "Well, we got. How are we gonna finish this song?" It was like, you know, typical. I mean, like Murph said, I think we were in a fucking zone where it was, we could we could just do it. I don't know. Um, talking about influences and uh, the the kind of I, there's another question that was down in one of the conversations that actually talks about that a little bit. I'm gonna change it a little bit. I'm gonna come at it backwards, um, and then get into what the guy asked, but. Do you think that uh, most of your influence came from records that you bought, or would you say you were equally influenced by going and playing, especially at the, in the early days, with a bunch of diverse different types of bands and seeing how they did it live? I, I both. Yeah. yeah. Well, is it fifty fifty? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, the equal weight for sure. I'd have to say. Okay. I I definitely remember. Yeah, you go to Fallout, you buy a bunch of records, and you read like the fucking thanks list you go and buy those records you know and and you know you do that and you listen to it and you're just like being like fucking 13 14 like that's like dude i just want to sound like this then you go and you see the accused and fucking jester's of chaos it's like fuck that i want to sound like that you know what i mean you know so it's like it's all over the place okay so this person was asking uh about your reflections on the period where Undertow would be playing more shows with bands like 1007 and Positive Greed. And what he's saying is, um, do, do you know a point where all of those scenes diverged from each other? Can you kind of pinpoint it and what caused it? And specifically, he wants to know if his perspective is skewed and there wasn't ever really as much scene overlap as he has in his head. This is a specific question is, um, is my perspective is I was a really young punk and it was skewed because there was not really scene overlap. And I feel like there was scene overlap. There like, was. I think he's oh, right. Yeah. I think he's remembering think, it right. Like the party hall era mm-hmm. was probably the scene overlap. Because yeah. then you go into the Redmond Y and that was there was scene overlap and all different bands played together, but it like it different positive se- greed wasn't around. It anymore, was different scenes. You know, and it's almost like the there was different scenes, but the scene that was like Seattle, like those guys those people like matured or went on and started developing different tastes, you know? Yeah. Um, Is this, well, you know, I think, just... I think, I think in this case, at least partially early on, physical location had a lot to do with it because the party hall as a thing, like the scene overlap at the party hall was like hardcore, like straight edge, hardcore and fucking Seattle punk rock. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there was overlap. There was also there was a little there was a brief moment where there was like some schism between mm-hmm. those two scenes. Yeah. It didn't last long, but there was a little bit. Yeah. Um and then 
the party hall goes away and what's next? You know, there was not a lot of options in Seattle, right? And so then like the Redmond Y and shit like that, but there were no Seattle punks really. Nope. Like that, there was a different, yeah. that was like the 1007. That was the, the east, east side. side. Yeah. You know, so you have overlap, but it's a different type of overlap. And I think it had a it had a lot to do with physical location. Absolutely, right? I mean, we had a fucking lake and yeah. some strong demographic profiles separating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It always has felt to me that um, one of the biggest problems your scene can have is succeeding to the point where you have enough people that you don't need anyone else from any other scene to fill your show. Or to make your show happen. And I think that when when Murph was talking about the schism towards the end of the party hall, because all of our friends in our high school that started getting the community aspect of it started coming. Yeah. Like, because I, I grew up, you know, in North Bend, and I would bring out a carload of friends, yeah. and these guys would bring a carload of friends from up north, you know, and it's all of a sudden from us, four or five of us, yeah. playing these punk shows, and it being cool, and and realistic all of a sudden there was 30 of us yeah and yeah. i think that that the the straight edge coin term when it came to that because there'd be 20 30 of us now was almost even though none of us were we were the, all there for the community of it but on the other aspect of things that you know the, i think the, we, were, the, we were the punker than thou types yeah saw us as we maybe fucking, a threat yeah we were the cockroaches like, infesting yeah, like <laughs> it's like it, it was almost like oh you know, oh yeah the poison idea thing of like fuck straight edge, fuck that shit. We, you know, like we don't need those kids anymore. Is and and then the party I was gone. So there yeah. was never any kind of um, end result when it came to that idea of like, oh, where's where's it gonna go from here? You know, type mm-hmm. scenario. You know. Yeah. Then I, you get and then we play with poison idea and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good show. I remember incredible. there was beef and there was schism and it was tense and I remember. I distinctly remember Econochrist playing the party hall. Uh-huh. And and it wasn't like a huge turnout. And I mean, like the drummer for Last Gas, who I think I think he would like fucking hated all of us, you know, like wanted to kill us or something. <laughs> but like, I, I honestly was just like, I don't give a fuck, man. I love Last Gas. I love all that shit. I love Aspirin Feast. And, and Econochrist shows up and like Ben's like totally straight edge, you know what I mean? But in Econochrist. Yeah. And it's like, and then I think after that, like my memory of it anyways, is like the beef was kind of like, it wasn't so bad after that. So. Yeah. It went on for a little while. I don't, it Did was, it? It was strange. Yeah. It was... kind of felt manufactured for a while. Well, th- there was a fight between Ajax and Bauer. Right. Oh, Punk's oh, dead, right. you're next. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. and that was another one when you were talking oh, about shit. the the vegan oh, Reich power fight. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Ajax picked up Bauer and in as a hug, as like, hey buddy, I'm fucking with you. Mm-hmm. I'm drunk, you're straight edge, whatever. And Bauer turned around in his arms while he's being off he's off his feet, and Bauer hit him like three times. Oh. Something like that. There was a fight between Bauer and, and Ajax, and I think that kind of broke up the friendliness between Bowers a straight edge kid, Ajax is not, and right. we're all cool. But I think that was tension. Yeah. That that's one story I remember. Yeah, I don't know if that was the catalyst. Yeah, Ron got caught up. In, was involved in that a little yeah, bit. Sure. That was the genesis of the idea that really became wrong. my stupid movie. <laughs> Weird, <laughs> but Ron antagonizing people, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? Wow. <laughs> but then that there was always that that kind of sen- not scenario. There was just that vibe of because then there was the like the Hellbound House doing shows 
and the goat house doing shows mm-hmm. and we go to shows there and it you just felt didn't feel comfortable and not not like any because the scenes fuck, were big enough to each feel that they had exactly, enough and exactly. that's a, there's your diversity killer yeah because yeah, totally. right because then there was that show was it trial trial at the goat house <laughs> and it just fucking all hell broke loose and we were just no, fucking was, fighting everybody there was some shit there yeah yeah it's just like Tra- I was all caught up because there were kids that, at that show that said they were hardline. Wow. So I got a whole new battle to fight. Well, that that was, that's right. That's, that's right. the bigger question. Yeah, they threatened my life right? later. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there. I wasn't there, dude. Wait, wait. Ask the same question. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say? The bigger question is, why are you guys in a trial? It was a good show. <laughs> it's a great Actually, show. it was a very yeah. good show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an old one. Um, <laughs> I'm not giving that one up, man. You're not no, giving that one up. It. I didn't know it was you that was holding on. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess it is. I didn't know it either. Either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Hilarious. It's like that's it. I mean, you're right. Diversity code. It's just tribalism, right? Mm. There you go. Human nature. Yeah. I mean, once we had bands Fuck that kind of sounded like Undertow to play with, that's what people booked for us. Like, mm. oh, you guys are gonna play with Serenity, and you're gonna play with those other bands. Well, I'm sure there was. Botch was coming up too. I yeah. Mean, all of a sudden, there was like. More and, hardcore bands, and they faced a lot. I know Botch; I, I, it's stuck in their craw. They faced a lot of. Um, there was a lot of pushback against them when they were first coming in. Like they hadn't paid their dues. They did. Yeah. Their first show had like three Earth Crisis covers. <laughs> they deserve some of that flag. But I mean, if, if you want it, oh baby, they, they did. Asked but... if they could be straight edge. <laughs> they, 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 they asked. Were, yeah, I, I was at Fallout, and Dave was like, "Hey, I'm in this band Botch," and I was like, "I know who you are." They were at Undertow a Math. In your garage, yeah. they're in the pictures in the crowd. Can we be really? A couple edge? of them are. Yeah, wow. I knew that. Yeah, I didn't know they asked to be straight edge. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know I, you know what? I've done. I, I didn't made... know that was a thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you have I to figure the... out what the thing is when you're young. I don't know. I just like it's funny, but up, like, man. I was like... <laughs> well, listen. If Botch ever had anything to prove, they fucking proved it. Fuck sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they did <laughs> a lot. Of water. Because they got shit from peers. And they had to prove it. Like, it, yeah. there's, there is something to that. There's a little bit of, like... Yeah, I remember that show that we played with them at Ground Zero, and, like, Sabatini was such a fucking prick to them. Who? Yeah, he stood, like, <laughs> right in the front of the stage and, like, and he poked Dave or just, like, like kind of antagonized uh, Varelin while he was singing. And they were pretty terrible back then at that time, but they had just done a band for, like, three months or something. Yeah. And they were trying to, like, you know, be part of it. And there was definitely, I don't know how much of it was just Sabatini. Oh, I probably contributed to it. Sure. Well. Like, so, this is a pet full disclosure, forever. we were all fucking pretty young and immmature. And, yeah, I'm sure we all said if, if and did horrible things to people, did. right? Like, I'm sure we had egos. Well, know? it's, we it's just... always been strange that, like, bands will get better and then bands of younger people will start playing and they won't be good and everyone will say they suck. It's like, well, no, they're at that point in their evolution as a band and they may never become the good band, but you don't know. Some of these people are going to come back and like put it in your face because they're going to be better yeah. you know, than the thing you did or, or they're going to be awesome. Like, oh, they can play fucking circles around me. <laughs> God damn it. Well, exactly. Just, like, and it's a, even joining when getting asked to play bass, like... The day before being asked to play, they're my favorite. Refuse is my favorite band, you know, Oof. and they're my friends. But <laughs> oh. at that time, at that time, because you know, first is brotherhood, and that that changed my life because <laughs> you know, that changed my life. And then Murph I meet, is air drumming. I meet dudes that are my age, yeah, that are in a band, and that's exciting to me. And then I'm being asked to join it, and it's that it's that I felt that myself. Like, dude, they're my favorite band. 
they're asking me, I don't know how to play a, a fucking one note of anything, you Still know? Don't. It's like, and they, <laughs> too fast. <laughs> too fast. <laughs> uh, so I, that aspect of things, I get it, but like, what's awesome is that they didn't give up. A lot of yeah. these kids never gave up. Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. No matter what. I mean, some of my friends at that time back then went to school with those dudes and gave them a ton of shit, you mm-hmm. know? And I was always like, fucking why? Like, more the merrier. Well, at least they're trying, you know? You guys aren't doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just being fucking assholes, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Going back a little bit to the diversity killer thing, but it's like, it's almost like there's a lesson. I don't know how, I don't know how you fucking learn any kind of lesson from this stuff, but like, you've got to keep mixing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you said like, did, did we not do enough? I don't know how. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do? There's no tribunal that you answer there's to. There's no answer. Like there's no, but like, yeah. Is there some way that you can look at, you know, you don't learn from the past or repeat it or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's almost know. like the earth just wants different things mixed together. Right. And then for some reason, for some people, they just want everything separated out by, you know, all the M&Ms and the different colors. Got well, to be yeah, I bowls. mean, so we're going to get into, like, what's the fucking definition of human nature? And, you know, like, there's going to be a million different answers. But, you know, if you ask me, f- fucking people suck. Yeah. You know, and they're just going to gravitate to fucking shitty tribalism. And, like, they don't like what they don't know. You know, or I don't like wearing all black. So I'm going to go look with, hang out with these people. Or I only wear all black. So... That's my uniform. That's my team. You know, like that shit happens all the fucking time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a moment where we all black looked tees. around at, at the five black t-shirts that, that were. <laughs> I got. I mix it up. Oh yeah, but Murph, Murph mixed it up with Board some blue short. shorts, and I of course don't have anything printed on my shirt because all my shit was dirty. But we're looking at some sweet some sweet t-shirts here. Wait, what is yours, Danny? It says cloakroom. It's got a goat on a skateboard. That is pretty Perfect. good. <laughs> then we got life's blood, corrosion of conformity, and neurosis. Word is law, right? Mm. Right. Old neurosis. That's well, pretty good. It's pretty good. And then just nothing. I'm just whatever. I'm the host. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> We're identifying our tribe right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The black t-shirt tribe. Yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. what? I don't. It's all they fucking make. I always think it's funny. Like yeah. my my uh, my niece pointed out to me on Father's Day that I wear black. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, she like noticed that. Like, I'm like is that strange? And she was just like kind of shrugged and kind of laughed. And she, whatever, she's a teenage girl. But like, it is weird. Like, I don't think about it, you know? But apparently it's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. It is a thing. Yeah. Kids, kids at a young age, like, recognize that stuff. Like, how people dress and how people look, too. It's sad. She are black because it reflects on how I feel in the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! That's a. Oh boy! How much of a piece of shit Morrissey's turned into? John, I need to talk to you about that. What? what how are you? What are your feelings about Morrissey right now? I gave up on him a long time ago. Do you still listen to the old Morrissey? Of course. Okay, so you will separate out the old art from the new perspective, or from the new whatever. Uh, sure. I don't know if you can listen I, to older I, music like that without being nostalgic to a point, anyway. Like, I, I think you can't listen to it without being con- there being some context. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. But I gave up on him a long time ago before all this recent stuff had been coming up and whatnot. Where he talks about the loony, loony left and all yeah, that. Yeah, just like... fucking, you know. He's always dabbled, but I also, a, uh, a good friend of mine is uh, his guitar tech. Mm-hmm. And for years he's told me things, and I'm just like, uh 
Terrible, terrible. But you know what? When he comes to town, I still go. <laughs> he doesn't get my money. That's for sure. Uh, actually, you've uh, got a yeah. great story yeah. about getting the shirt. Huh? You've got that great story about getting the shirt. Yeah, that Come was on. the last time Like I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but uh, my sister and I, for uh, my 40th birthday, uh, we're going down to Oakland to see him. And um, my mom wanted to come, so I thought that was kind of awesome that, that mom wanted to come, what, you know, see a, a band or a group or a singer of someone that we'd grown up listening to. And uh, an hour before the show, we'd gotten to our hotel in Oakland and he canceled the show. And I texted my friend who's the tech and was like, oh, why'd he cancel you though? The drummer, like, got <laughs> drum, drumstick shrapnel in his eye. And I was like, he can fucking go out and sing by himself with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> Don't fucking cancel. What the fuck? And so from then on, it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Stupid. I, uh, with, with Shift. Stick shrapnel. <laughs> with Shift. <laughs> fucking uh, pussy. The, yeah, right? the original drummer for Morrissey. I can't think of his fucking Spencer name. Spencer Corbin. Yeah, so he did some work on the Shift record, uh, doing some sequencing and stuff. So he hung out with us for like three days, and me and him hit it off pretty quick. And I was like, oh, all my friends are going to get boners when they find out I'm fucking hanging out with somebody in Morrissey. So I was asking him Morrissey stories. And he's like, that guy's a total fucking piece of shit. Uh, I've gotten kicked out of the band a couple times. And at one point, him and the bass player got kicked out. And they were like homeboys from back in the day. They went to his house and like carved, we're going to like fuck you Morrissey in his fucking, you know, $10,000 door. And left their fucking switchblades in the door. That's awesome. Yeah, he's like, fuck that dude. And then Morrissey went and did another another run. And I saw Spencer on TV at at, uh, David Letterman. And I was like, I fucking know that dude. And then, yeah, we would run into him every once in a while in New York City is really fucking good guy and really down to earth and it's just like I fucking hate that dude but you know sometimes I get paid a large <laughs> amount of money to, yeah. but I'll still stick a fucking you know knife in his fucking door <laughs> you know? now cool. of all of us Murph you were the one that probably had I don't the... give a fuck I never cared about Morrissey never liked him never liked he, him and you never liked him either no I like the last Smiths record and then you hear it so much from being around all the people who love the Smiths now I get it all but I was never I, I, I did like Strange Ways Here We Come, mm-hmm. right? Is that the mm-hmm. fucking record? So that was cool, but the Morrissey stuff. But what I, I appreciate about both of you, uh-huh. and I'm pointing right now my fingers at Mark and Murph, is that you both liked The Cure, yeah, but didn't like Morrissey. Yeah. Which really means totally you, different. Which means you have taste. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> I mean, I, I like both. Hey, but like, changed my life. But if you're going so. to like cut one out, like you got to cut the right one out. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think with the Smiths and Morrissey, uh, from in my perspective, I just I missed something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I, like, I got into, like, Celtic Frost and, you know, fucking SSD. And by the time, like, I'd heard the Smiths and Morrison, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's a waste of fucking time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's also, like, another thing, too, is it's all, like, for me, it's all jangly fucking guitars. At least the Cure had, like, fucking pedals. They got fucking yeah. fade. There's stuff going on there that... Moody, you know. Yeah. And for me, yeah. the Smith stuff was just like, la 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 la. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, man. I get it. Like I, I, like I said, I really like that record, but I, I prefer Joy Division over that. Oh um, yeah, you know, certainly. I mean, for me, so, I, I'm not making an excuse, but it was Smiths were like the first thing like after Toys I was really into. <laughs> <laughs> like my best friend growing up, he uh, his he had an older sister who loved that stuff, so she would like give me tapes of like U two on one side and the Smiths on the other, and I was like, oh, this is great, and so. I, I went from, like, Transformers to Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, okay, that's funny. I don't know how it relates into the, into the, 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 like, discussion we had earlier about 
women in bands and, and women in hardcore bands specifically, but like you're talking about like being into metal, you know, and, and a lot of guys get into like really aggressive music. And most of the guys I knew in high school were not guys that listened to The Cure, right? Yeah. And, or Morrissey or The Smiths or any of that. Yeah. But All also... that influence came into me from women that yeah. I wanted to be around in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like a lot of that, but I think in some ways I got more out of that music in the long run. But the point is like, it was, it, it's a, there were, I knew guys that were into The Cure, but yeah. I knew a lot more women that were into The Cure, right. you know? I talked with, you know, certainly on Soto's episode about this too. He's kind of got this, a lot of the same, had a lot of the same take on it, you know? It was nice to be able to relate to women that I went to high school with, yeah. with music. Yeah. And well, a lot of times they weren't going to relate on Chrome Eggs. Yeah. Or... Well, you know, for me, like, time. And when they Christ. did, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like in my mid 40s. I'm just figuring this shit out, right? But, like, Jesus Christ, I think I've been, like, fucking depressed forever. You know, like, I was not a happy child. So I hear, like, Slayer, and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go murder. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's like. <laughs> But it's like a survival mechanism, right? Like, throw up the walls. No one can fucking touch me now. You know what I mean? And this music's a great soundtrack for that. But then on the other side of it, awesome. you know, I hear the cure and I'm like, okay, now I just want to hug my teddy bear and fucking cry because that's what this shit's bringing out. And I dig it. I'm connecting. You know what I mean? Yeah, shit like that. You know, you just yeah. you connect to music different ways. You know, and the the Cure is one of those bands I just connected with because like they they were like moody and emotional, right? Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know it. You know, I think back now and I can get all philosophical about it, but yeah, like I connected with it on like some emotional level. Like I used it to cope with whatever was going on in my shitty life as a kid. You know, I've, it had an authenticity I think reflected to younger people. Like without the with me. here's what I like without the perspective of life, we identified these types of music as good as something that were like you know you 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 related to it on a pure emotional unknown level yeah it's like you with all the music that was out there to hear you would hear something like the cure or some punk rock band or hardcore band and it would resonate in you and you didn't have the words you didn't have the you, you yeah. like you said you're in fours you you can look back and say why you think it was you didn't know then you just knew that it, it you reacted to it yeah like most of the music I, I still love to this day, like I think about it. I'm like, God, why did I like this band? You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm always thinking about shit like that. And like almost everything is like I can connect it back with like I just related to it. It, it brought some emotion out in me. You know what I mean? In some way or another where it was fucking anger disguised as, you know what I mean? Like anger, but it was really something else. But like it came out as anger, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of the metal stuff, right? And then the cure was something else, you know. Like it's it all kind of, you know. And music is when I hear new music, some of it I'm like does nothing for me. Yeah, a lot of it, most of it. But then every once in a while I hear something like shit, I fucking dig this, you know. Like whatever, you know, Chelsea Wolf or something, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah, like let's fucking die now. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can I can relate. I dig it, you know. Like yeah. I, like music is just it's emotional. And I think hardcore is emotional, right? Like oh, it's yeah. It's intense. It's yeah. a different type of emotion, but it's emotional. Yeah, I felt like we... Not emo, though. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we didn't care what whether mean? something was good or not, either. Like, that didn't register, like, if it was good. It was just, this is something I, I connect to. Well, good to me never meant technically proficient. Right, right. But, I mean, I think there's a level of, like, people around you growing up, like, parents being like, oh, this music's awesome, or check out Jethro Tull, or whatever, this, you know, shit like that, which which maybe was for 
technical reasons, but it's just, it, that never struck me as meaning anything. Like, we had bomb shelter videos out here, which kids don't get that kind of thing anymore. They don't get that level of diverse weird shit curated to just a weirdo. Like, you were, you know, we'd fucking get Channel 22 and or a UHF channel or whatever and try to watch this half hour of just fucked videos from all over the world. And you'd see, like, Angry Samoans and Youth of Today and fucking The Accused or whatever, and you get all this cool shit and you're like, fuck, this is awesome! But there wasn't, sorry, <laughs> but there wasn't a moment where I was like, my dad's going to be so impressed with this. <laughs> I remember the first time I played something for my dad that I thought he would like, it was uh, that Tool song, Sober. <laughs> and he did think it was good, but thinking back on it, I was like, man, my dad must think I was such a fucking dork. <laughs> like, here's this video with, like, these puppets, and, like, I had the, I got, like, the promo VHS the, at the Wait, record store. <laughs> wasn't that right around the time you were coming to visit me at Kinko's in the middle of the night? Probably. And, like, getting pulled over for... Creepy. Yeah, he used to come. He used to come visit me at Kinko's in Bellevue in the middle of the night when I was working what? graveyard. It's just to hang out in like make a zine or something, uh, right? Yeah, because back then it was no big deal to drive to fucking from Boston. But you got Bellevue pulled over. Like... You got pulled over because you didn't know how fast you were going because you were singing along to Sunny Day Real Estate. That's right, man. <laughs> I love that. And I think the cop, I think the cop let you off when you explained that. Yeah, and he also saw I was white, so he. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going with. It. <laughs> That's some fucking white Why are you speaking? Right oh, I was playing Public Enemy. I'm trying to think of something from the time. Yeah, public like, Enemy. Oh, I was really into fucking <laughs> fuck the police. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Those are good times. Definitely. Well, okay. We're probably going to run down here in a minute, but let me just see uh, what else we got here. I don't know. Markley asked something. Well, this is... Okay, I told him that you actually went into this on your episode, John, but... uh it's not asked the exact same way you went into it. He said, who had the slick hair first, undertow or unbroken? <laughs> and you, you talked about chairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only talked, I brought it up because when we showed up to the unbroken tour in Detroit, like they had dreads. You were pretty dirty. I think I Damien was like, hair. yeah, green. Where I fucked up. And What's like, his name's couch. Yeah. Who was this? Austin? Probably a spaz shirt on. <laughs> And then uh, I had the slicked hair, and then Unbroken was all sl- slicked hair except Dave, and he had dreadlocks, maybe? No. Or he was dirty or something? <laughs> I don't even Whatever. Who cares? I don't remember. But it was, like two, it was like you guys fit together like puzzle pieces. But you know what? Like, that, like, when said child was popping up, and, uh, like, we were starting to dress like that and stuff, my, my influence wasn't so much, like, this Morrissey and his band at that time. I was, like, Mike Ness. Like, I was getting into, like, rockabilly and swing dance and shit like that. That, like, that was the kind of the thing I was getting into. Were you kind of pissed off when that big swing revival happened and it, like, blew up your spot? Totally. So mad. (laughs) So mad. Dude. My swing I like using that old term. No. But I think the San Diego guys were doing it because, like, Rocket from the Crypt was starting to get popular. And so that look was starting to get. And, like, uh, Mike Denny had... uh, what twist was that his yeah. that side project thing he was doing oh, yeah. and he was all greased out and stuff and uh, stuff maybe he put butter in his hair but he came up <laughs> yeah really? when, when forced down played he was all like slicked back so it was kind of like ooh oh, cool. oh, Mike down Mike down dude. I got some funny off air stories for you <laughs> <laughs> oh good <laughs> no he ended up later when I was in New York like 98 or something like that uh, Kill Holiday came out I think it was Kill Holiday Bunch of those dudes came out, and Mike, we ran into Mike, and he was like a bartender somewhere, so we hung out with him, and then when those guys split, he was bartending, and this is before I drank, but he was bartending at a place like two blocks away from my house, so there was a good run of running to, to Mike down quite huh. a bit, and 
listen to his new projects and <laughs> other other stuff. So it's funny. Yeah, I think I stayed with Kelly Holiday like I just coincidentally at your house once. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, we're talking about that one off the air too. Because I told, I think yeah, I had to. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> but anyways, I remember they were on yeah. tour. Yeah, you I, you came with a friend. I came I out. I was just getting back from tour. <laughs> I needed a place. I was like, that was when I yeah. was like homeless for like six months. Uh-huh. There was a futon I, I, and a friend. <laughs> I, I was at that, that trip. Is that when we when you moved out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I moved out of yeah. Queens before New Brunswick. Yeah. And I was just couch yeah. surfing between tours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my crush with Mark. Yeah. And kill right. holiday one night. Yeah. It was definitely kill holiday, right? I mean, I yeah, know 100% I, Steve I, it was totally there. Was. It totally Eric was. It totally was. Yeah. There. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. I feel like Eric was there, but he wasn't in kill holiday, right? Um, June, Barry, right? Do I have this right? Mm-hmm. And Oscar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and... I think maybe Eric was... Todd. Was Todd? Oh, sorry, guys. Don't know. <laughs> oh, we and can clear. We can clear it all up. <laughs> Start naming Mitch. all my Mitch. <laughs> so as we're uh, Tony Seth from Portland, Seth Montfort, you guys might remember. He was asking about the impromptu brotherhood reunion and the time when Carrie filled in on bass and refuse. You guys remember this? The, uh, it was Washington Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, I got right? photos. Yeah. I got photos in the other room with him on base. That was supposed to be Wait. Judge and Chain Hold. coming up, and they I guess so. didn't That's come. Right. They didn't come. They didn't so come. It turned into being an Ajax. Last gas plays. Last Ajax gas just heckled the fuck out of Judge and Chain, and everyone got a kick out of it because because they weren't there. Because yeah. they weren't there. They didn't show. <laughs> everyone was pissed at him, right? Right. This is just another fucking tour that they just ah fuck it. That's too far of a drive. They skipped us, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember being really bummed on that because I was excited they were coming and my buddy Chris up in Bellingham was like, they're not going to. And this was like a month before the show. And I'm like, don't, this, yes, they will. The flyers are out. Like, yeah. And he was right. I was yeah. so mad. It's like, well, yeah, but it's like, you know, they should have come. Yeah. It's like they got SF and, and Salt Lake and then like the drive to Seattle was yeah. just, fuck it, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone did it. It's a brutal drive. But yeah. But the it bands is. that didn't do that and they did show, they loved it. Yeah, you like, made you made relationships that way go, for sure. Go bad trip. Like go bad trip was oh fucking God, insane, yeah. right? Yep. Holy shit! With the trampoline. Yeah, I fucking mean that awesome fucking show was amazing. So fun. The party hall show with the trampoline with a mini tramp on the floor in the pit. Fucking people were like diving off, it. bouncing off that thing. Pre kickboxing. Yeah. We could have learned it accidentally from that. Possible. <laughs> awesome. um, no, but awesome. so you so, said in the uh-huh. in the. Uh, in the picture albums you have out in the other room, yeah. you said you've got pictures of Carrie playing with Refuse at that show. It was Undertow yet? It was Refuse then. Refuse. He's wearing a Refuse shirt. He's wearing a Refuse shirt. Yeah, okay, so Carrie, I'm going to yeah. put those up on the uh, on the page, some <laughs> photos of you. Um, he said, and then there's, I, this must be an inside well, joke. Think, he says, how the hell did he manage to keep that hat on his head? Does that make any sense to you? It's got to be an inside joke between, uh, between Seth and Carrie. No idea. Remember no. him wearing a weird hat? No. But I think Seth's in the, the picture, too. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay, look, we went through essentially every question that people asked, which was nice. Cool. Uh, oh, no, no. Amy Deshane wants to know what your marketing strategy is. But that's 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 a long... She had a dream about you, John, and you were... Uh... Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> know what? Like, I'm going oh. to read this because it's fun. Uh, it just says, Pettybone was speaking to some kind of band music marketing event and telling the audience that they needed to have some kind of cash cow item that was continually bringing in money. In Undertow's case, it was a seven-inch. <laughs> he was also talking about how the band was getting into newer branding opportunities like pop sockets. 
What's a what? pop socket? I don't know. You were in you were in different uh-huh. dreams. I don't know what a pop socket is, but it's funny sounding. Cool. So it's not a real question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, what, Amy. What yeah. is your what is your what is your marketing Undertow strategy? Undertow and marketing Hi, strategy are like, <laughs> not. No. That's like no. We never had look. that shit. We, we never, never discussed we never it. We never against that too. I think there was kind of a look with the records. Oh yeah, right. I mean, yeah. there was sort of yeah. There's some branding there. I mean, we, well, I was trying to rip off the fucking Swiss seven inch <laughs> or the Swiss LP. You know, of just like you don't see. I mean, at both ends, you definitely see crowd shots and shit, but, like, all the covers are these black and white, uh, blurry, mm-hmm. you know. So, th- I think there was a theme. Yeah. Yeah, they looked like Undertow the records, theme. for yeah. sure. I wouldn't call it marketing strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was much fun. Well, so now I went through everything. I'm sure everyone will be thrilled that you, uh, that you address their questions. <laughs> um, so, what, so, guys, what else is going on? We're not talking mm-hmm. about politics, right? Do oh do yeah. should we? Please don't. Yeah. Uh, John doesn't <laughs> want to do it. We'll be here for hours. Yeah, we'll be here for hours. Well, here's a, here's a question that I didn't ask you, but I've asked these guys. And we never really gave answers. So, what is your favorite Undertow song? And now, for oh, me, okay. and I'll I'll put mine out there. Mine I think is probably Cedar because I'm an atheist and I fucking love that we fucking sang <laughs> about that, right? So it can be about the musical, the music, or the content. Like Cedar's not my favorite song to play, but as far as uh, quote unquote being a political band and saying stuff on stage that's one that and pin obviously yeah but um like i was thinking about cedar the other day and i was like fuck dude that's fucking rad that i'm in a band with four atheists like what if one of us was like fucking religious and was like can't do it so i to me that that's like my favorite political statement that i'm still like yep fuck yeah yeah um I think as far as music goes, maybe 1623 is my favorite yeah. musical song. It's fun to play. It's got some interesting shit. It was kind of... I think because after Undertow, I got into like weirder, noisier stuff with crazy chords. That was one of the first songs, like watching you play it. And like, oh, wow, these are like kind of odd fingerings. And like, <laughs> like learning it myself, I was like, oh, this is really fun. Kind of opened my mind to like other ways of playing guitar. Um, but I think maybe Pin as far as like just to play it. There was... Because even, I mean, people won't maybe remember this but there was a kind of like a especially in california like a more homophobic side of straight edge down there i remember it was it was a bit it was actually like it wasn't preaching to the choir like when you would say like you know gay rights or equal rights or whatever Mm -hmm. like we place you know fucking you know riverside or something like that and there was a little contingency of this like kind of conservative part of straight edge made them uncomfortable yeah I like that. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Uh, Christian bands down there. Yeah. Fuck Focused. those guys too. Oh, Christian hardcore? Yeah. Yeah, Focused was one of the bands. Oh, it's a sucky name. But, I, well, yeah, I always <laughs> felt like, because I remember Mandel, like, yelling them and shit. And, uh, or, I mean, a bunch of people would. And, like, religion does not have a fucking place in punk rock. And I always, yeah, but. Yeah, no gods, no masters. Right? I always felt like, <laughs> fucking let them say what they want, because we're going on after them, and we're going to say whatever we fucking want. <laughs> So you got to go with the free speech, yeah. yeah. You know, and you're yeah. into this. You, people were booing them, and other people were cheering them. I just knew that we were gonna get up on stage and be like, "Fuck all that shit." Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. I mean, I, so, I, I, you know, I mean, prob- the speech at the time, at the time, I was probably like, "Yeah, fuck them. They got to get the fuck out." But you know, I, like I said, like there shouldn't be any fucking rules. Like this, yeah. anyone yeah. should be able to get up there and do what they want. Like, yeah, but the second you're like a, a judgmental fucking prick, yeah, it doesn't mean I have to like. Gloves them. are off then. All right, fuck you too, you know, asshole. 
call you out. You yeah. Know? Let, let's do it. Well, it's like 10 years later, you've got like a local band kicking a dude out because he comes out as gay because they're a Christian band. Yeah. I mean, that's so, and they're in the, you know, hardcore scene. It's like, mm, no, yeah. no, plus, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to you know, never go into your shows, <laughs> never supporting anything any of you do. You know, and, Fuck you all. And plus, you know, we had like, we had fucking Shelter, right? And like 108, like these Krishna core bands, right? And it's Ugh, like, you know But see, I mean? you guys, like, if you remember, I hated them. Well, I know, but <laughs> most people was like, no, we're cool with that, man. That's, that's, that's acceptable. I'm like, is it? Why is that acceptable? And the fucking Christian hardcore band isn't, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think there's a level of the Krishna stuff where you're like, well, because it's basically Lord of the Rings and they're playing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like ridiculous make-believe that they're playing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they fucking all are. I know, I know. That's that's right. I mean, it's it's unfair of me to just make fun of Krishna and make fun of the other ones. Right, but Krishna had the vegetarian aspect. Yeah, yeah. And so that felt like it... Like, so my personal perspective on it was like, I, and I'll own it. I'm like, well, you know, the Christian shit, they get a pass because there's not as many of them and this yeah. Christian shit's fucking everywhere. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They aren't mainstream culture. Yeah. Christian punk is the mainstream trying to take what's good yeah. and and vital about the subculture. Yeah. And, and then cultural appropriation right there. There you go. <laughs> so it's like they were wearing our dreads. Right. Oops. See how I bring it all around. Right. the dude in Amenity who was d- telling you guys, like, doesn't work? He's like, yeah. Some, yeah. Uh, Sergio. Sergio. Yeah. 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 What? He was, <laughs> he was putting his two fingers together and he's like, man, it just doesn't fit. Look, they can't. Yeah. I might cut that part out. You should. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know where he's at. Because that's a long time ago, long right? Long fucking time ago. Yeah. And yeah. it could have just been a fuck. You could have been there's, joking. You've yeah. got to have, like, there's a period of time where people come to their understanding. He recorded me feeling right. Fuck off, did he? Did he? I think he did. Oh, yeah. fucking leave it in then, man. Fuck him. You know, really nice guy and shit, but fucking holy shit, fuck that. You get two strikes with us. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to keep it cool, but you fucking also played in that fucking band. No, I mean, I don't expect Fuck's people, sake. I don't expect people to come out of the womb with their politics in place. You. You know, you, oh, you sure. learn them through trial and error, and sometimes you're wrong and learn and have to turn on it. But that's why I expect when people are wrong for them to own it out loud and not just get quiet for a couple of years and come back around and think everyone's cool stuff. I'm not talking about anyone specific. Are you sure? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, but this is like, well, right now with yes. the... Okay, so when we're recording this, because the situation could be totally different, Trump's president, it's uh, it's June of 2018. And uh, there's a lot of people who were Trump supporters maybe two years ago that have gotten weirdly quiet about, you know, these issues for some reason. I think just maybe oh, someone just mouthed the name at me. But I'm, <laughs> here's the thing. You're not wrong, yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about like 12 people I know. Okay. So, um <laughs> So, you know, it's like, uh, I don't think it's going to be enough to be quiet. I think it's going to require a mea culpa. Yeah, You're going to have to absolutely. say, I fucked up. And I'm I learned it. from it. I'm calling it now that that, that fucking bastard is getting reelected. See, I keep hearing this from people. Uh, I, I can't go with that. I it's have, not going to make me feel better I just, to call this it. This is a reflection on how little faith I have in humanity. So He lost today. He lost today. He had to actually cave to pressure, and it's you the first time. You don't live where I live, man. Well, it's true. I don't live where you <laughs> yeah, live. We live in a bubble up here, like. But we still get them. You still see the fucking MAGA hats and the Trump bumper stickers up here. Yeah, go to fucking Clay Elm. Yeah, it's yeah. Insane. You drive forty-five minutes in any direction outside of Seattle. Yeah, all you have to go Seattle. is someplace where people are sparse, are, are less densely populated, so they're not around as many yeah. people, and they don't see as you know. And it's the there you go. There's enough of them to have their own scene, mm-hmm. so they don't need anybody else. 
it's it it works pretty much across the board, I think. But no, I I, I think Trump's has significant legal trouble on his way. I hope so. It's uh it's bad. Are you shake are you shaking your head no there, John? I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Uh, the the Trump Foundation stuff is it's gonna be a big surprise if he gets away with that. I just want it to happen. I'm sure he will. I, just want I know, it, it takes a long time. A big it took like four years to get Nixon. Yeah. This is, we're like a year and a half in. And he, he won by a landslide, even after that shit came out. But but for the for the re-election of Nixon, though, it was only just coming out, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and it was a different time. And he was right, like, we didn't have internet. McGovern or something, is that what it was? What is that? I was trying to remember who he was running against. It wasn't McGovern. Was it like almost a sh- oh, really? no, was, was McGovern 72? Yeah, because Carter was 76, so McGovern was 72. I'm actually basing these based on Hunter S. Thompson books. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Fear and Loathing, The Campaign Trail 72, McGovern Campaign, I believe. I'm trying to remember episodes of Chapel Trap House I listened to. <laughs> but because but, Reagan came in in 80, which means Carter ran and won in 76, so yeah. McGovern's going to have to be 72. Was that 80? Was that the one where Carter won like no states? I think so. It was bad. Yeah, he, he, he won one. Killed, he, right? one. he got one or two. Yeah, but yeah, yeah he fucking destroyed. But that's what happens when you have a decent man's president. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I like that dude, Carter. Yeah. He's my favorite president outside of his presidency. Like yeah, Habitat for Best Humanity. Ex president. You can look back at some stuff and be like, uh, you know, he wasn't perfect. Nobody is, and I'm I'm fucking Democrat all the way or liberal all the way. So, but looking at like when I was alive, <clears throat> I remember Carter. And I remember uh, Clinton and then Obama. So those are my four, mm-hmm. three, sorry, three references. You would remember Gore, but that election was also stolen. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think Jimmy Carter, what a fucking fantastic uh, person for going out and like, you know, Habitat for Humanity. That's fucking great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah other dickwads that are, ain't doing shit. On, on if you do sides, something like that, I guess you get... the party. I'm not saying, you know... I'm and, not too and, worried about both sides right now. I, We're so off kilter. Fuck the other side. Wonderful. He got destroyed in the election. Nobody <laughs> voted for him. And he's like, cool, man. I'm still going to do some rad shit. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Love it. They made him get rid of his peanut farm. I mean, and then Trump's get his all his fucking hotels. Right. He I did know, bring right? the speed limit down to 55. I'm hey. bummed about that. Hey. Those hotels are just physical locations, you know? Yeah. They, don't, they won't stand forever. I'm not suggesting anything. Fuck, I am, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So real quick, what I want to get John and Murph's. Oh yeah, sorry. songs. Yeah, what do you? What's your favorite um, one to play or whatever? Control was always fun to play. It's fun to watch people when we played that one. Yeah. Because you kind of just like hang back and kind of watch it happen. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess you're more <laughs> participant. Some of these songs might be different for you because you're more participatory. Yeah. You got people jumping but off your you, fucking back. You know the riff that I love that we never really played out much live. Sinches. Yeah, yeah, the sync riff. That, that riff rules. Um, pin. That's on set. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is good. Has a kick and bass break in the middle. So cool. Michael Anthony, dude. Wait, oh, no, no, no. That's not sync. That's not sync. That's noose. Oh, it's noose. But noose was great. Noose was great. I think in. In sync, I think there's one part where you're like, do 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 do. Oh yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, like a one. Michael Anthony where there's like, no, it's just an E. <laughs> all the way through. Fuck yeah, just gotta ride that with your. Uh, what yeah. about you, Mer? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think as far as songs go, I'm with you. I think Cedar, you know, just being fucking staunch atheist, you know. Yeah. And uh, but to play, ah. Uh, I think the, the the song I like to play, I have the most fun playing, is probably Taken. 
That's just a fun, for, at least on the drums. That's yeah. a fun one to play. Is that the one you wrote when I hit the headstock against the yeah, dead frame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to talk about that? Huh? And somebody must have talked about that on the podcast. Right? I don't think so. That doesn't would you, sound Would you like to hear the origin of Taken? Yeah. Go for it. But, well, I, I don't remember exactly. It was when we were uh, practicing in the U District house. Yeah, the Rat House. The Rat House. The Rat House, yeah. Where? The Rat House. Where? You never went there. Yeah. <laughs> was it snowing out North Bend, buddy? <laughs> Fuck. Oh, man, I told you. I still told Shane about You got me good, though. I was like, what are you talking about? You've been to my house. I told Shane about when we went out to go find you at North Bend, and we were there, and you were walking up the front door, like, going, crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> there was <laughs> fucking snow like, before you shut up. My favorite, my favorite fucking snowing in North Bend story is when you didn't... Snowing one! No, 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 no. Dude, when you didn't show up for dinner with the three of us... Mm-hmm. That this was recent. <laughs> yeah. This oh, was, yeah, fucking was recent. Who wants to tell this story? Oh my god! So this was like, was this 2009 when we played? I think it was 2009 when we played at uh, Corazon, right? Arrow Corazon mm-hmm. with Converge. Mm-hmm. And so it's like my last night. I'm flying back. Yeah, broken. Yeah, that one. I think so. And yeah. so we're like we're gonna go out to dinner. Like I can't make it. <laughs> and so we're gonna the Thai restaurant on Capitol Hill. There's some Thai okay, restaurant. Yeah. Who the fuck comes in to dinner at the same time? <laughs> Not with us. This motherfucker. <laughs> oh, and the best part. Wait, so John best. used to, just so everyone knows, John used to always say he couldn't go places because it was snowing in North Bank. Yeah, yes. but we'll, we'll get back. To, I got to finish this. It's a lot out there, dude. The mountains. So we, yeah. We show up to dinner and and we're like, oh, John, it's fucking must have been snowing in North Bend, buddy, you know. <laughs> and the hostess was like, oh, you know him, because he's with a group of people. And uh, he's like, she was like, you know him. Would you like to pull uh, a table? And we're like, no, 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 no. We're gonna get our own table, but we want the one right next to his table. <laughs> so the three of us like basically sat down, turned our backs, and we're like, so it's really great to see you in town, Merv. You know, I'm gonna miss you so much, Damien. And we left John out of it for a little while. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Take your battles. <laughs> oh man! Holy if you just did a little bit of research, you could have avoided that. <laughs> yeah. Where are you guys going anyway, man? Oh, I'm gonna totally miss out. Fuck, we gotta go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that kind of blew my mind too, because we all had plans to meet there. And then you're like, I can't go, but you end up going to the same restaurant. Like if you had just gone to another restaurant, we'd have never known. Yeah. You know, but that's cool, man. <laughs> That's cool. We're all here now. Yeah. It makes for a good story it's later. A lot of stress. A lot of stress. Put that show together. I understand. Thanks. So you were like, I just don't want to see them anymore. Huh? Oh, I was done. Oh, Get out. Oh, <laughs> uh, after all of that, you guys still want to play together? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I guess. <laughs> oh, the the, the district. <laughs> oh, just it was just silly. I, there was one night where. Oh, the, oh how the song came about? The song yeah, came the song out. came about. Uh, I was talking with Murph and uh, Mark, and I had some like just silly little idea. But while I was talking, I got kind of excited, and I sort of swung my body, and my <laughs> bass went over and hit bang, like yeah, <laughs> sort of banged against a bed frame. And uh, I kind of just like stopped, stopped paying any attention to either of them, and just kind of like kept banging my bass against the bed. <laughs> And I think after a few seconds, probably like, what? What were you going to say? <laughs> I was like, oh, we should just do it like this. And like, <laughs> that was the start of the song. But I was easily distracted back then. <laughs> and it made you crazy. <laughs> I I remember him doing it. I thought that I was like, oh, dude, that actually sounds cool. The oh, do, do, do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like bending the neck against the uh-huh. bass frame. So I, that bass would be like, woo, woo. 
And yeah, he stopped talking to us and just kind of focused in on it. Like, wow. Like, you know, sounds like a ghost or some shit. And I think at that point it was like, yeah, one of us grabbed it or one of one of the three of us was like, oh, dude, actually do, 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 do. And then that just came like, yeah. Just where's this riff going to go? And then I just started doing do, 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 do. And then I just. And then we wrote the other riff and then we're done. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. That whole fans was awesome, too. Yeah, that was yeah. live. I think my the one that really gets me off, I love when we would do reunions. I mean, we did it on tour a bunch, too. Was We'd start out with Pin. I really like getting that fast one out yeah. of the way. And just the beginning drums of... Like, no talking, oh, just going into fuck it. Fuck yeah, you know? As Murph Good. would say, it's going to go murder people. <laughs> 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 no, that's... Yeah. No, I was just curious, because I was... Yeah. Oh, that's a good, good question. What's your favorite, Dave? I'll throw a curveball at you. Ooh. No. Um. Well. Okay. So as a as a person in the crowd, I'm experiencing your band, you know, that way. So obviously, I love Stalemate. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna yeah. do? I mean, that's yeah. that's a good song. And and cutting away the the real like you know sing along participation yeah. things. And when I talk to people, you know, from years and years ago, and they talk about those shows, they'll always bring up cutting away. And for me, it's always like ah, Stalemate. But you know. Yeah. Um. But no. When when you guys finish got, recording it, hang on. Do you guys remember, <laughs> cutting away, this reminds me, do you guys remember we go to Europe with Ignite and we play some weird festival in Italy? Oh yeah. And yeah. and we ended up playing like, <laughs> I think we played four songs, but we played each of those songs like six times in a row. Like, oh yeah, apology. we played. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. oh well, there you're bl- now you're blowing up my spot. That's and what so, I was talk about. And, uh, and we did that because there was like there was like thirty people at this show yeah. or something, right? And we're like, oh whatever, just get up and fuck around, Go- be goofy. And we thought it was hilarious and it was fun, made it fun. Yeah. And then after the show though, and I still feel so bad about this. <laughs> Some like Italian straight edge kid, like he's coming up. He's like, I just wanted cutting away. <laughs> Why couldn't you have just played cutting away? And I'm like, fuck. Did we get up on Ignite's equipment and play it one more time too? I don't know. Yeah, you oh. did, <laughs> but not cutting away. Well, you you named it apology, off of, off of Apple offense. That's, That's the your song. jam. Well, so no, when you guys when you guys finished recording and it was going in to be made, and I'd be listening to the tape at Kinko's in Bellevue when there'd be no one else there, like like four in the morning, and I'd be running around between three machines keeping them running. I'd have that thing playing. I'd have the whole record playing, and for whatever reason, just at the end of that song, I'd just lose my mind and like bounce off the fucking copiers and shit because <laughs> just such a cool. And and so like after that, a few weeks of that, I was like, oh, that's my favorite song on the record. Like, and I, I don't even think it's the strongest song on the record, but it just has the part that I liked the most. Cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's, I wouldn't have Apology. Thought, wouldn't have thought of that. What do you guys think the biggest cool. mistake we made as a band was? Reprinting the Gatorade shirts? Or... Whoops. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, we're doing, that, we're doing that right now. What <laughs> are talking about, dude? Uh, putting Buried on the fucking LP? And not oh. finishing another song. I fucking hate that song. <laughs> so much. I wish we start. Buried me like a buried you. Oh, you buried So I remember. So I remember. Isn't that how it goes? Oh my god. Buried! I went out. I flew out to Mandel's and stayed with Mandel for like a week. It must have been 05. And we were putting together the layout for the discography. Yeah. Like we spent a week doing it. And I remember, like, what is this song buried? 
Was and he was like, dude, you don't, what do you mean? And like, Mendo was like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I have no idea what fucking song this is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I had to go sit at his computer and listen to it. And like, I'm like, what the fuck is John saying here? <laughs> I was like, this doesn't make sense. Is this English? <laughs> that song saved us though, because we were going to break up in Canada. And then oh. we, we were playing with Strain, and they sort of had the, the, the first uh, version of Strain, where it was like a five-piece, uh, they kind of had that vibe. And I think we came back and was like, we had a good show at the Nappy Dugout. Mm. And we're like, okay, let's see if we can write new stuff. And that was right when you joined the band, and that was the first song we wrote. And yeah. I think it was, in my head, it was influenced by the shit we saw Strain doing. Yeah. yeah. That first three-song so, Strain demo. Yeah. yeah. But once once that LP, we, we had a time crunch where we had to go in the studio. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't want that song on the fucking record, but we don't have any other songs. In fact, we... I don't think we would have put Pin and Instinct on the record. We just ran out of material in that yeah. time frame. Because uh, we liked those songs, but we weren't trying to like keep putting yeah. cutting away on every fucking record. We wanted a whole new record, and we just ran out of time. Yeah, you know, so my recollection. biggest mistake, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it was when we finished recording at both ends, and Clint was like, I'm not happy with this. I want to re-record the whole thing, and I, I won't charge you guys. Do you guys remember that? Wow, and and I just remember being exhausted, and I hated every second of recording that record for whatever reason. And I was like, I don't want to do it. We're done. I just don't. I don't want to do it again. And I to this day, I'm like, I just wish we had taken the time to re-record it because I fucking hate the way that sounds. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm not really happy about the guitar tone, but I don't think there's a record that I'm on where I'm like, yeah, dude, my guitar tone is fucking shit. It always bugs me. Or you hear somebody else's guitar tone, especially back then, like that. The stalemate was the M80, and then I think for the LP, it was a Marshall 800 and an M80 dual. Mm-hmm. Two different guitars, and they we blended mm-hmm. together, because that's what he did for Strain. And then, then we got to the fucking, um, do, not Twin Reverb, uh, what's the fucking Mesa Boogie? Dual, dual Rectifier, yeah. And I thought that was the shit, and I listened to it, and I'm like, that fucking sounds horrible. <laughs> I go on with Shift, and just about everything I've recorded, I'm like, I fucking can't stand it yeah i'm the kind of the same but there, there are two there are two recordings i've done two that where i'm like i fucking i i dig my drum sounds there's only two and one is the helm the seven inch <laughs> that recorded in tacoma mm-hmm. like in like five hours <laughs> like and like the drums sound dirty as fuck but i love them like i actually love the way those drums sound and then the other is like I think cast the first stone their ensign record. Mm. Oh, the good second record. Actually, I, I take it back. The nine iron demo. Oh, I had a rectifier, mm. and you were playing a Marshall tube something. Mm. That one I I still listen to, and I'm like, fuck yeah. You wrote some good songs for that one, man. That was good. <laughs> I don't even have a. I I lost a recording of it. Oh, I got somewhere. Yeah, I know I can. My, my iPod broke, and my, I don't I don't even have a computer anymore. So mm. it's I just need to get a computer, and I can swap all my music that was on the computer over so not a big deal mistake oh um should have went to practice more (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not learn how to drive (laughs) (laughs) don't don't say it again he'll have to listen to it on the podcast (laughs) oh no 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 i didn't i didn't even hear it okay it's gonna be in there don't it's not if you didn't care no wait a minute no wait a minute since i don't know what it is because i was trying to make a joke about the snap um (laughs) Should I leave it in? Yeah, 100%. No, there's no repercussion no, that'll come no, from No, yeah. no. You're going to have fun, dude. No. You got something to listen I'm to. I'm always the joke. <laughs> Aww. 
No, we're all part of this one. Not Damien, but we're... Yeah, Damien's not. Oh, okay, then I know what you said. (laughs) (laughs) You get $100 if you fucking figure this out right now. How did I miss it? I didn't know you said anything. Yeah, I don't don't have... played my bass parts? No, no, no. No? There was one or two songs, but you were there. That wasn't a secret. Uh, I don't know. No, that was uh, God. I can't remember the name of that fucking song. There was there was a couple where I think, but you were you were in the studio. The song on the words to live by, words to die. That song. No, it would have been that the fucking. What song? song is that? I like that song. That what song? Yeah, okay, <laughs> that because yeah, that was the song I was thinking of, or it's off that hidden, hidden, oh, hidden. No, oh my god, by then. Oh, okay, no, no, no. Joel was. Yo, we recorded that. I thought that was Joel. I have no regrets. Reciprocal. Yeah, her thing was great. That's the one in Ballard. I and did. I did. Yeah, my, you were playing so games. I remember I brought in best wishes, and I was like, I just want my drums yeah. to sound like <laughs> Petey Hines right here. Just fucking make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the thing he's talking about was uh, we were. There's photos of it. Uh, me playing bass. It was the Undertow first demo. Mm-hmm. There, I think there were a couple tracks where I ended up playing. Yeah, the bass I on. Know what the fuck I was doing? Yeah. Still down. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> What'd he say, dude? If you come to dinner with us tonight, I'm treating. Oh, oh shit. shit! Fuck yeah, then we'll tell you at dinner. <laughs> oh, tell me right now. Nope. <laughs> Assholes. No, dude, you should have this one out, man. Yeah. Can't figure out fucking what? yesterday. What's <laughs> one thing the three of us have in common? That's well known. Alita is... hoops. Oh, <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> Still don't know. The hoopster. <laughs> There's a, a friend we... A friend. A friend you all have. Her. That's uh-huh. cool. I don't know. Don't know. Last time I saw her was right before I moved to New York, I think. Oh, she was in time. L.A. Cool. Huh? Going to Your phone's on military time. Yeah, 24 hour, man. Nice. And PN, that's fucking bullshit. What's that happening? to be going to practice more? Because I was you, hanging out no, with her? No, well, you were. True. <laughs> I mean, Wouldn't I you? Just, uh, yeah. And Until you fucking <laughs> cock-blocked me, yeah. How did I cockblock you? Oh, brother. I was just hanging out at the movie theater. <laughs> Dude. I was just hanging out at the movie theater. Man, you have even told me you did. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I had an opportunity, man. He fucking swooped in. Good on you, though, man. Yeah. She was just a, a friend from ours from high school, and we oh, yeah. a bunch of us worked with her, and she came out to shows. Sure. Super cool chick, man. I probably would remember if I saw a picture of her. Well, no, going through that photo album, you can look. This is super cool, but you look in the crowd, and it's like, there's fucking Lenny, there's nice. Chris, there's Greg. You know, you can see people, and then people that me and Murph went to high school with, I see those people in the photo. Like, we were talking about Seth Freddy. and Carrie are in... Oh, sorry. So, that's cool. Awesome. So, guys. This might be one. So, what? What are we going to leave them with? Nothing. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's it. You played the last song. There's nothing more. I can't really think of anything. I, I got the topics out that I wanted to ask in a group setting of like, what was your favorite song? We got to talk about the Bremerton thing. I don't know if we ever talked about this. Why'd you guys raise your fingers when you were ready to play? Uh, it's just a sign that we're, I'm ready to ready play. To Never seen anybody else do that though. I stole it from somebody, but I'm not saying who. You're not going to say who? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm not friends with the person. This person fucking hates my guts 100%, and I deserve for this person to hate my guts. Like, I did something that was like, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that. 
I'll totally talk about it, not on the fucking podcast, but right, right, right. his band did it, but his band never meant shit, never did shit. <laughs> no, I mean, just straight up, dude, I'll tell you the fucking name of the band, and if you can, if no, you're like, don't. I've heard of them. Don't even. Oh, I'm not doing that on the, okay. on the cast at all. Right. Uh, but if you if you heard the name of the band, I, there's no way you've ever heard this fucking band. It was, a, it, from the crowd, that was always something that was cool, too, because it was like, then you'd be looking for the person who didn't have their finger up, and you'd be like, it's about to happen. I think one of the other things, I really, I really get off on, like, I want that minute of, like, feedback before we go. So that's another good indicator when, like, I look up and those guys are like, dude, stop it. You know, like, let's fucking play, Mark. Then I'm like, okay, word up. Okay, I'll give you guys criticism. Mm-hmm. It's not criticism, but it's just one place where I, the, the only time I think I ever went, oh, man. Oh, when, my God. This is always a nice way. Incense. <laughs> What's that? Incense. No, I love the intense. I love the intense. That mean was fine. Damien never had tuners. We had to tune off each other. Is that your beef? Or was it that? that was a big. You know, you ranch. used to play an intro. Oh yeah. Called heavy duty. Heavy duty. Was that what it was called? <laughs> well, you're talking about the sick of it all thing that you guys talked about, right? I don't know. Well, heavy duty is fucking. Uh... No, so we probably have got over this in the, it's another a spinal podcast. Tap, so. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing of. Heavy that's big bottom. Oh yeah. no, it is heavy duty. Heavy duty, rock and roll. Well, I think it was a joke, but you used to play like a, you used to have like an undertow intro. Oh, like the one at the beginning of Torn My Enemy or whatever? Of what? My Enemy. So, I like, guess so, oh, but remember, yeah. and I remember, I think wow. the last time maybe I ever yeah, saw you guys like do it was... first demo, first demo, I think. Would have been... Damien's got it. Uh, my Enemy, the split with uh, Resolution. Okay, yeah. But I don't know if it ever got recorded. Oh, is that right? Oh, maybe it is. I think you guys did it at the OK Hotel show, like the Poison Idea one. That, and was that like, might have been one of the early, last. Yeah, we like we stopped playing that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it. It certainly didn't survive past uh, James being the band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you ever did it with me, it was like as a joke. But I, well, we had to do it. But I liked it. We got but you liked I was it. a big yeah. fan of you guys back then. I really enjoyed that. Like I, I always thought that was kind of fun. Remember that when we went over to Europe and they were like, "You got to play all the old stuff, even the yeah. demo stuff, because nobody, people might not know the new stuff." Oh my so god! And so that, we, that's the biggest mistake we <laughs> yeah, made. Yeah, that uh, like two shows we of playing. Fucking play look all before the you leap. Old shit, and everyone's just like looking at us, like, "What the fuck yeah. are these assholes playing?" That and playing "Burning Fight" as a cover. Oh god! <laughs> I'm talking about that last night. Yeah, Jesus. Probably should have let that one alone. Yeah, hmm. we we played into that fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your favorite show you played? That we played. Ooh. Uh, I don't know, man. I think one that... for me is the Shea Cafe when, when we got back together. The night before and all the... of our friends were there. Hello yeah. show. That was awesome. That, that was a great one. Hello that show. was an incredible. The show. first California. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first the, night the, before the showcase show. Yeah, we're. Uh, yeah. That one was awesome too. <laughs> Wait, showcase? You mean Pomona? Pomona. Pomona. Yeah. yeah. The Glass House. Glass That's what house. It was. I was going to say Pomona was one of my favorites, but it's so hard. I played like shit. Like, I've heard a live recording of that, and I was just tossing my guitar around the entire fucking show. It was <laughs> these three holding it down. <laughs> you listen to that, and it's like, holy fucking shit. I don't want, I don't want people to hear it. It's so fucking bad. But you look at the the photos and shit, and it's like... Incredible. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, but I did not play well at all. In fact, I'll go back and listen to a lot of Undertow stuff, dude. I was like, always oh, out of tune. And it's like all these videos that come out are like cringe worthy for me, you know, like, I mean, it's fun. And, and we got a great compliment from Nate from uh, Converge. He was like, you guys are the best thrash band I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> he's like, I hope you take that as a compliment, but you're not the tightest. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, actually, I think you summed that up really well. Live performances. I got these two guys that are tight as fuck, but I'm sloppy as shit. And I can oh. go back and be like, Magic Mike's, man, I know I played good there. And it come, somebody posted it and I'm like, 
But I'm surprised no one said that show because that's an incredible show. That's that's up there. I remember that. Just like what you're saying about Mm -hmm. yourself, I feel that entire like that. I feel like I I didn't know how to play the drums at all the entire time I was in Undertow. You know what I mean? And it's just like every fucking show is like I fucked up so many times, hated it. He's like, I gotta get better. I gotta get better. And then like when I went on the road with Ensign. Like, it was, like, more of, like, this machine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, I just learned to play, like, a fucking, like, a wind-up Armand doll, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it, I got to play with, like, those guys every night. And so, I, it's like, I just got to, like, study. And, like, I just, like, then I finally, like, like, I got into this groove where, like, I can actually play, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, when we came back and we got back together and we played, like, the, the Shea, I felt like, I, now I'm a real drummer. And I'm doing Undertow again. Wow. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, that's so that's true. like my perspective on it. Like, I think the whole time I played in Undertow, I was like, it's the worst fucking drum on the planet, you know? I didn't no know what way. I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do that either. One of the best. You're nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this, I don't know if I, I mentioned, but I mean, I think going back to like regrets and talking about some of this, like, I wish we had just written more. Like, I wish I knew like how easy we had it then as far as like, you know, not having kids or wives or anything. We could just kind of do whatever the fuck we want. Like, we could have practiced, like, three times a week, like I did in bands later. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, why the fuck do we practice, like, all the time? Because it's super fun, and we're always hanging out together, too. Like, we could have just wandered downstairs and played more. But I think we're just having such a good time. It was like, do you want to go? Some of the other things I think about, too, like, we're going to start writing again. I've got some ideas that I wanted to bring, because we... Like, there were songs that we wrote in the practice space. There were songs that we showed up with or, like, an idea. I don't know what I'm getting at. Going down, like, I don't always remember us going down and just jamming. Mm-hmm. There was there was an idea of, like, let's play a fast Purpose. song. or yeah. So there was, we would try to work it out, but, and there were songs, like, Taken came just naturally. There were other songs that came out just naturally. And, we, we I mean, jamming, we'd have a riff, and then we could easily build into a second riff and then a bridge. That all happened, but I don't, I don't remember us being, like, a jam band so sometimes we didn't practice I mean we didn't like, practice oh, we have a show we gotta practice we have a show coming yeah. up and then there'd be other times you're like hey dude check out this riff I yeah. just go over and hang out and you had something on the acoustic guitar yeah but some, other times it'd be like I don't have fucking anything what do you got and you'd be like well I got this idea or I don't have anything so there were dry spells mm-hmm. and a lot of those songs I feel like it was like four practices before we finished yeah. a song like the lead up to the LP and trying if I didn't want Barry to be on it necessarily and I didn't want to redo songs to fill in but we just couldn't write. I don't think it was a time. Str- I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think there, yeah. were, there were times where we were, we just, we didn't write. Right. And I mean, I'm looking back on it, you know, with a filter of not having any yeah. memory of what it was like to be at that time. I mean, we had jobs too. And, yeah. you know, getting to Seattle from Bothell wasn't always easy for me. Yeah. It's weird to be like, hey, can you come drive from Utah to Bothell? Well, then at a certain point, we were practicing Magic Mics. We practiced at Murph's. Yeah. There was, it was tough getting around. I guess I don't you know I look back at that and I'm like one of you guys must have dro- drove me every fucking time out to Murph's I didn't have a car I don't know how I got to fucking practice yeah you probably picked him up remember once Maybe, I was supposed to yeah. go was it a practice that I uh I drove off a cliff or was it <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> I remember going out to Murph's oh, one fuck. point and I was like was it a, did I was I late for a practice when I drove off that cliff what <laughs> 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 Drove I had my little white Chevette, and I remember I was driving <laughs> from Bothell uh, out to Merce, and I'd go through these back roads in Bothell that are real windy, and at one point I just kind of went over the ledge <laughs> of a road, like I didn't turn, I just, 
I, I wasn't like distracted by phones or anything because we didn't have anything like that. I think I just <laughs> <laughs> fucking went for it. And ended up down the bottom of this big like cliff hill thing, and I had to have this truck like drive oh me out of there. Oh my god! So I was like an hour late, and I think there was like branches and shit still hanging out from under my car. <laughs> so that just reminds what? me. I thought, like... you were, I thought you were delivering pizzas then, and it happened. Oh no! Were you doing then on the way to practice? I was on the way to s- uh, somewhere, but I, I I did actually drive off the road when I was playing pizzas <laughs> once too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I was, you know, like I don't live here anymore, and I come back and I like see all this shit, and it's like, you know, the city looks totally different. But I go up north, you know, to where my parents live, and I'm like, ah, oh, it looks a little different, but I, like the roads are all the same. I'm like, oh my god, like deja vu, right? All this shit. And so yesterday I was driving by Steve O'Malley's house I and I looked down the road I, I actually stopped and I'm like, that's the road. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so do you remember this? I, I do. I was working at the Crest and I had my shift come up. <laughs> Rocker Steve, Steve O'Malley was finishing his, so I was going to give him a ride home and go back to work. And he lived on this road <laughs> in like Lake Forest Park that was like a quarter mile, just straight. You know, and so everyone would speed down it. And I'm like in my mom's like shitty like Nissan Sentra, you know, and I'm like, we're listening to Slayer. We got it fucking cranked. And uh, and I, I know the song too. And, and it sticks out for a reason. And so I'm like fucking like, we're go- it's 25 mile an hour speed limit. I like going like 85. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden it's like this hairpin turn to the left. You know, the signs like caution, 15 mile an hour. And there's a house. So I'm like, shit, I lock up the, br- like, I, I lost track of where I was on the road. Oh, shit. I slam on the brakes. I'm like, ah, I'm going into that house unless I just turn off into the ravine. So split second decision. I turn the car to the right. I go off this cliff, rolled the car down a ravine, landed right side up. And like, the car's dead, but post-mortem is blasting on the stereo. <laughs> mandatory suicide no it was no. post-mortem i remember story and, and oh. i'm just like i calmly just like <laughs> turn the fucking radio off and look over the roof's caved in the windows are gone and i look and steve's just like looks at me and i'm like dude are you all right and he's like yeah i think so are you and i'm like i am for now because i'm like dude my fucking dad's gonna kill me right and so we like literally like we have to climb out of the car, <laughs> climb up this fucking ravine. It's like Seattle, so it's like a fucking rainforest. <laughs> and I'm like covered in ferns and mud. <laughs> and we have to like walk the rest of the way to Steve's oh, house so I could fucking call my dad and be like, yeah, I fucking rolled the car down a ravine, dude. <laughs> And I had to call out from my shift at the crest. It was like a fucking nightmare. How come I've never heard that story? Before? Oh, really? Man. Oh, man. I love that story. Yeah, the best is like, you know, I'm like, like on Instagram, like, I, like Steve O'Malley, like he, he posted some story and he like was playing post-mortem and I was just like, remember when we rolled the car? Yeah. <laughs> and the way you described it to me too, weren't there like, you, you, you fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like needled a thread. Oh yeah, thread, thread thread needle. Needle. So, there were trees on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I went right through them, man. It was like, <laughs> like I fucking, like, dude, I nailed that landing. <laughs> it was like the triple. An inch this way, an inch that way. We don't have a fucking drummer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sonno doesn't have a fucking guitar player. That's right. Yeah. So my fucking good driving saved us. Oh yeah. <laughs>
That is the takeaway from that story. <laughs> Dude, the best was like, like the fucking tow truck driver shows up, pulls the thing out of this ravine, and he's like, you're fucking lucky. I don't have to call state troopers. Like, they just changed the law. Like, for, like, I guess if you roll the car, you had to call the state troopers. It's like a state law. But it just had changed. He's like, I don't have to call the police. I'm like, good. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad shows up, and my dad fucking drove that car back to, like, my house. Shit. Like, no windows. He's just, like, <laughs> hanging out. Like, you know, like, <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> wow. That's so good. Oh, that's good. Oh, dudes. That's fantastic. I think that's a good way to go out. <laughs> I think so. Cool. All right. Thank you guys for coming out. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Dave. awesome. And, uh, yeah, Damien, you know, we got to do a, we got to do another one of your, you know, John was making fun of your multiple appearances, so. Eight times. We got to do a catch up so we can talk, uh, talk right. politics. More than great. Good night, all. Okay, that was awesome. That was as great listening to while I was editing as it was when we first recorded it. I really, really enjoy hanging out with those guys. Had so much fun. Talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I want to go over just a couple things real quick. I have no idea, honestly. I think I'm going to find out tomorrow the status of this project band that they talk about doing. I don't know. They may have nixed the idea. Or it may just be put off for the future. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a band of the members of Undertow. I'll always have my fingers crossed. I'll always hope it'll happen. But uh, I haven't really heard anything since we recorded this episode. So we'll find out. I kind of feel like no news wasn't good news. But we'll see. Um... The other thing I'm going to say is we, we talk about some photos. I had Mark's photo album. He left two photo albums of pictures that he saved over the years. And there were some great photos in there. The famous Brian Hill kickboxing photo, kickboxing lesson in his backyard. That photo's in there. And Carrie Voller playing bass with her fuse at Washington Hall. That's in there. I was not able to find anywhere the We Got Your Hat, Your Head's Next thing that gets talked about. I looked through all the copies of Ron's old zines that I had, and as near as I can tell, they're all from before that tour. And talking to Murph about it a little bit, he thinks it was in an overkill ad. So I actually went and tried to find all my old Maximum Rock and Rolls, and I no longer have anything before 1993 from Maximum Rock and Roll. So I believe that this we have your hat, your head's next thing that Ron was involved in I believe that is somewhere in an overkill ad from that anti-hardline time. So if anyone has that, please contact me. Send me a photo of it. I'd love to put it up on this page even retroactively. A couple of corrections I want to do real quick. Near the end, I say, I think Trump has significant legal troubles on the way or something like that. Um, As of this recording, I'm doing right now in August of 2019. That has not yet happened. I do hope in the end this is not a correction, but rather a just a situation caused by a delay we'll see (sighs) and um at one point near the end of the recording a name is said quietly that some of us don't catch and they say oh you'll hear it when the podcast gets played back but unfortunately the name was a casualty of our recording setup it was said too far away from the microphone and it wasn't picked up at all Otherwise, I would have amplified that thing so that we could have had that fun listening to the podcast being played back. But 
it doesn't really matter because the name gets exposed in the course of the conversation. You heard it. You know we're at the end of the thing, so you've already heard it. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've got more coming. This is the last one I have in the can. Um, I'm going to do a special episode next, and then I'm going to start figuring out what my time frame is for getting some new recordings and moving this thing forward. There should be some more. You know, I never make promises, but I make them all the time. So, yeah, there'll be more. Whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. Just subscribe. It'll show up when they get done. It'll pop into your, load into your iTunes. How does it work now? They got rid of, is it Apple Podcasts? They changed stuff? I'm not even sure. To be honest, everything changed since the last time I uploaded an episode. So I'm hoping I'm just going to be able to upload this thing and you're going to be able to hear it. But we'll find out, you know, people keep making changes and I keep getting older. I'll deal with it. All right. Until next time, thank you. Appreciate it. And I'll talk to you later. This podcast is a product of the Nobody Knows Podcast Network. Executive producers, David R. Larson and Kay Drake Streetman. Music for this episode is provided by Polymorph from the album Artifacts, Demos and Debris.